Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It's Wednesday, November 6th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Happy post-election day. And on the line with Miss Stephanie Cook. Bonjour. So it is, when you guys are listening to this, it is Wednesday, November 6th, but recording this, it is November 5th. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Mm-hmm. Um... So made famous, obviously, for us and this crowd by uh, uh, V for Vendetta, the famous Alan Moore, uh, David Lloyd uh, graphic novel, um, which I have never read to be on the list. I've of seen shame. the movie. Yeah, Me too. The movie, movie as well. was awesome. The movie is great. That's what I was going to say. By the original writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the movie uh, was awesome. Um, yeah, Bob says the original writer because, as we know, Alan Moore can be a little bit... Um, crazy. <sighs> crazy, yes. Prickly. <laughs> Prickly? Grumpy? Persnickety. Um, yes. And obviously, famously, he's taken his name off every single movie adaptation yep. that, that's been made out of his work. Um, and he also, his name will not be on the reprinted Miracle Man issues that are being released yep. by Marvel. Um, the, he wrote, I think, issues like one through, I don't know, 15 or something mm-hmm. like that. And then Neil Gaiman takes over after that um, with Mark Buckingham. And they're actually they talked about me finishing off their their storyline eventually but um it, it says the original writer and this other i can't remember their guy's name i feel bad about that but he's he's like a historian and so he did he, there's a lot of backup material about miracle man and stuff like that and where it came from and how it appeared and the whole history so it says the original writer and this person's name um it's gonna be, be like that on the actual on book. the books on the books it's gonna say the original <laughs> writer instead of alan moore which is a little ridiculous but uh now, if if that wins an Eisner Award or something, is this going to be the, the blacklist of the of the fifties in Hollywood? You know, yeah. there'll be a beard. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody walk up there and pretend to be Alan Moore. Uh, um, so it's you know we figured we talk a little about Alan Moore because it's a big day um, in, in that he used in one of his his biggest books. But uh, and I mentioned Mark Buckingham before you know to do with, with uh, Miracle Man, but. Uh, Big, big news this week, and Stephanie can speak to this you know, very, very closely, obviously. Uh, Fables is coming to an end with issue 150. Mm-hmm. So, Stephanie, want to tell us a little <laughs> bit about that? Um, I mean, I, I don't have like much more insight than you guys, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, the comic, they've decided to uh, bring it to a close, and you know, it's going to wrap up with issue 150, and it's just on Bill and Mark's own terms. You know, they're bringing the story that they've been working on for now over 10 years together, you know, they're going to try and give some happily ever afters to some of the characters and such. Mm. So Um. obviously like, um, you know, I haven't been working with Bill for all of that time. And I was a fan before that. So this is 
you know, big news to me as well. It's kind of just like, it's like half like, yes, yes, on a professional level. And then like, as a fan, I'm just like, oh, God, why? <laughs> so, like, you know, it's, it's a balance, it's a fine balance. Um. You know, obviously, we mentioned both your your relationships to this book. I mean, as a fan first, though, before you ever worked for Bill, um, what do you think about it coming to an end? Um, and are you excited to see how they wrap up the story, considering it is on their own terms? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I wrote up a thing the other day, because like, a lot of people were asking me about it when the big news, you know, got launched, and, you know, have like, phone calls from my parents and all my relatives being like, do you still have a job? <laughs> um, yes, I do, everyone. But like, um, you know, Fables is something that brought me back to comics. I took a hiatus and um, a few, not like a few years ago, a lot longer than that now. <laughs> but like a while back, um, you know, a friend of mine gave me the first volume of Fables and um, I just got like completely engrossed in the world and it was one of the books that kind of really helped reinvigorate my love for this medium. Um, and it's, it's weird that now I'm a part of that world and now it's kind of also coming to a close for me as a fan. It's there's stuff. Um, if you haven't read it, I don't want to spoil anything, but you know, there's a few things that are really up in the air at the moment. And um, it's kind of like, I, I, I want to know if those are going to get wrapped up and, in my job, I try not to, because I am a fan, I try not to, I, I don't want things spoiled for me. Mm-hmm. So this is all, you know, up in the air for me too. And I, I just want to know, I want to know who's going to get happy, ever, happily ever afters, who's not, <laughs> and, you know, where this is all going to end and what other stories they're going to tell um, in the next, like, a little over a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. I don't know if that really answered the question. Sorry, I kind of... No, it does. No, Absolutely, no. it Lots does. thoughts on it. Um, and is, does this mean that also like, Ferris is coming to an end as well? Yeah, I believe that Bill wrote that in the um, his statement. And then like mm-hmm. uh, on the Newsarama interview, he did. Or, yeah, Newsarama. Um, and I think Ferris will be coming to a close, if I recall correctly, just before um, Fables does. Right. So that'll wrap up and then... Um, Fables will do, you know, the final thing with issue 150. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's very interesting, too, because I, I think that um, obviously it's a it's a huge series when it's been around, like you said, over 10 years. I feel like there's been an increased attention on it in the last uh, few months because of the, the game that Telltale hmm. is releasing. You know, I listen to a lot of video game podcasts and go to a lot of sites and I've never uh, places I've never, ever heard them hear or ever heard them talk about fables, mention comic books at all, and suddenly they're talking about fables and comic books, and there's people coming to the record, all those sites being like, yeah, 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 it's it's been around for this long, I've been reading it for this long, so it's interesting the reach that it had before the game and kind of the increased, I think, reach, because that game has gotten nothing but good reviews yeah, across the board. Um, it's been amazing. I mean, again, it's it's interesting for me, like, again, as a fan and, you know, somebody who's professionally involved in this world, but, like, uh, last week, last week? Recently, the Fables Encyclopedia came out, and so last week, though, uh, Bill did a signing at Source Comics and Games in Minneapolis, and, you know, uh, he said to me that a good chunk of the people who came out to it, like at least half of the people that came, were brand new readers, and they had been brought in because of The Wolf Among Us. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, 
um, that's incredible. Like, that is exactly what you want from, you know, like uh, a new medium. Mm-hmm. You want it to cross over and help bring in new readers and new gamers, you know, from the comic book world. And it's been really interesting to see a lot of the feedback and kind of like I follow some of the um, hashtags and Telltale does a really good job of retweeting a lot of fan reactions. And it's it's crazy cool to see how good it's been doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I know that, Steve, you've read a lot of fables. You've read all of Ferrest. Uh, right? You've read all of Ferris, right? I've, yes, I yeah. have read all of Ferris. I've only read the first volume of Fables. Oh, okay. I thought you had read more than um, that. But. I read, uh, what was it? Um, uh, t- uh, Stephanie, help me out. It was Cubs in Toyland? Yep, that's, yeah. Yeah, uh, I read that arc, which I enjoyed very mm-hmm. much. Okay. So, uh, I mean, as someone's read all of Ferris and you very much enjoyed it, you talked about it a yeah. few months ago, I think, now uh, on mm-hmm. the show. Um, how do you feel about this coming to an end? Well, uh, playing The Wolf Among Us is definitely on my to-do list, uh, absolutely. And um, I, I, I'm kind. I don't want to say that I'm excited that it's ending, but um, there's a part of me that's glad that it is because I like complete things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have I have fables. I have it. It's one of those things that, like, you know, you have it. It sits on your shelf, kind of thing. I have like trades one through fourteen or even fifteen just waiting to be read um, without having gotten to them yet. Now that I know that it's going to be coming to an end, I'll probably end up collecting the remainder of stuff and just do like a, an all out, you know, blitzkrieg of, of mm-hmm. fable stuff, or maybe perhaps pick a couple of trades and break it up over the course of a couple of months. Right. So. Volume 10. It's so good. The good prince is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I mean, you know me, I have a tendency that like when I get all of something, I just, I chow down mm-hmm. and I, I just do the whole thing in one shot. Absolutely. Um, I've always, always adored the concept of fables. I love where it comes from. I grew up with all those characters. Those were my bedtime stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just like Sandman where it's, it's on my list of things. It's, Sandman talk about it later but I mean I forgot to say um I wanted to share it with everybody like Sandman's at the top of my list of comic never read like books of shame mm-hmm. like that list that you have of things Sandman's one of them fables is also on that list mm-hmm. so um I'm I'm a little bit of both mm-hmm. I'm I'm sad that it's ending for the fans but I'm kind of selfishly excited for me that I feel like that it'll be the point when it ends is when I will begin Absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, thank you, Stephanie, for uh, helping us out with that story. Um, so, and just uh, actually quickly, sorry, mentioning The Wolf Among Us, Telltale also announced uh, The Walking Dead Season 2. Yeah, they did announce The Walking Dead Season 2 game, which... Just, uh, yeah, playable Clementine. Yeah, that's right, you play as Clementine. And they've been... They were also in that announcement. They also talked a lot about they've been being able to handle like dream properties. They said like every single, you know... Um, big media property you could you could ever you could imagine that we'd want to do we're now working on that's what they said so meet the press the game yeah meet the press the game. oh i'm sure i mean with the success of the walking dead and, yeah. and fables i'm sure they're getting you know just people thrown at their feet yeah to do Offers stuff everywhere <laughs> wow that was the old woman voice from, yeah i was gonna um, say that the sorry. Radio oh play. what did i what was i reading oh i was reading the um the jla uh no more grown-ups I believe it was called. Yeah. And Mary Marvel actually shows up 
in, yeah. Oh, yeah. in the book. And I was like, oh, my God. I had flashbacks. Every, t- every time she spoke, I heard Stephanie's voice. It was so awesome. <laughs> um, we have to do another one of those. We do. Another, another story close to Stephanie's heart. Um, Faith Aaron Hicks is launching a new trilogy of graphic novels named Ooh. The Nameless City um, yeah. from First Second Books. And the description we have is an unlikely friendship forms between nameless city native Rat and Kai, whose country has recently conquered her city. The two of them must find common ground between their cultures and foil a sinister conspiracy. Hicks has created a beautiful and intricate world inspired by Central Asia and the Silk Road, in which the besieged inhabitants of an ancient city are desperate to learn the secrets of the Paris civilization, which carved the city out of living rock. The first book of the trilogy is later to be published in 2016. <laughs> Mark your calendars now. But, I know. Uh, I get those pre-orders in. Yeah. I saw that, and I was like, when the, I saw the story, and I was like, this is so cool. And then I was like, wow, this is a little bit early, guys. <laughs> I feel like maybe you could have held off like two years on this announcement. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Um, I'm assuming that means that she's probably doing them all before the first one comes out. Well, she's been- already, I mean... They they showed the preview a preview of it. Oh, they did. I didn't see that. Yeah, uh, there's, but I, it's not really a preview. I think it's part of her pitch for the story. So okay. it was the art that she did um, to kind of show what she wanted to do for first sec for yeah. second. Gotcha. Yeah, first second. Yeah. So um, it's on some website. <laughs> only only <laughs> the most in depth of. <laughs> <laughs> details on talking comics. You get the info here. Spend a lot of time on the internet all day, okay? It's on it's, some website. I don't know. <laughs> you you, fi- you figure it out. It's on a website. Google.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, use Google. That's what that's for. Use yeah. channel your Google foo. <laughs> Bob, you're a, you're a fan of Faith Aaron Hicks. Yes. Uh, w- what do you think about this? I've got no idea what to think about it. Two years out, <laughs> I. Imagine this will be heartwarming and yet mm-hmm. scary. It sounds like at both ends. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm there if there's a monocle bear. I mean, you, you can <laughs> oh. guarantee I'll be right there for that. <laughs> I would definitely take a shot. Stephanie, what's her regular work like as opposed to her humor work? Because that's all I've seen to date. Um, I mean, she has a webcomic and it's collected now called Friends with Boys. And I've only read a little bit of it, but I mean, I read it. she's a, and Last of Us too. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed both of those things. So mm-hmm. her art style is obviously not going to differ much more than okay. what mm-hmm. we're used to. Um, but she's a great storyteller too. So I can't see why this wouldn't be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, I have both uh, Brain Camp and Friends with Boys. So oh. you could borrow it. Uh, Friends with Boys was very, very good. Mm. I awesome. enjoyed it very much. And- can I just quickly say that I don't know if she has a story in it or not, but the the true patriot comic that I spoke of, the Canadian series, the one you were going to send me. Yes, I, I will. Burn. I promise. Hey, I have stuff for you and Steve that needs to be sent out. Let's take this up later. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, Stephanie. <laughs> well, I'll send something to you too, but I know for a fact that right in front of me, I have stuff for both. You it's okay. Quiet. I've had Anyways, a... so back on the ranch. <laughs> True patriot. So I cool. raved about this, and now there's a Kickstarter for volume two. Oh, yeah. More so Gull Girl, I hope. Yeah, I, yeah, there is. There is. An, I was just gonna be like, yeah, probably, but no, there is. I know that. I know that's a thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. 
I was hoping someone was going to cosplay it at New York Comic Con. But no, I will do that. Nobody will get it except for like two people. But like, I don't care. <laughs> I will do it. My friend Danny, I'm like, make me single hands. <laughs> <laughs> Normal things to say to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, that's a thing. Yay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in more news, uh, one of the another Marvel teaser has been uh, revealed. We talked about it a few weeks ago. The uh, the miss. Mm-hmm. Um, teaser and we uh, posited what it possibly could be and we were um, all wrong well, um, but we speculated about it being a Miss Marvel but we kind of guessed it would be maybe Angela or an already established character yeah. but uh, it has been revealed that there is a new Miss Marvel book coming out and it's written by G. Willow Wilson um, known for comic work including Air and her world fantasy award winning novel Alif the Unseen um, and it illustrated by Adrian Alfona, the original Runaways artist. Um, and it was originally uh, seen on Uncanny X-Force. Um, her name is uh, Kamala Khan. She's a teenage Muslim shapeshifter. Um, Bob, as our resident Ms. Marvel lover and obviously Captain Marvel lover, what do you think about a new Ms. Marvel? And what do you think about this particular kind of character? I think it's across the board a win mm-hmm. it's just a great idea you have a woman of color mm-hmm. which there aren't certainly enough of in comics we have a teenager also very nicely done yeah. hopefully it, it keeps it lighter in tone mm-hmm. as some of the marvel books are that she is from what i'm reading of the pitch here she is she takes this name because she's a fan mm-hmm. of carol danvers yeah so the whole sort of referencing itself is just really gorgeous that, okay, the, the, that these heroes within the books are heroes to the people, the regular civilians within the books. I, I, my one little caveat is that there will be some who might see this as be giving her a secondhand name mm-hmm. without looking at it as I am, as it's a tribute to the other characters in the same way that Carol took Captain Marvel's name mm-hmm. to pay tribute yeah, it's that, and yeah. not not the other sort of thing. But the, it's you know the internet is going to erupt with all sorts of stupidity. Yeah, I think this is just a great idea for a project. It's set in Jersey City, mm-hmm. where nothing's ever been, which yeah. is could use some help over there. I've stayed there, played basketball <laughs> in the schoolyards over there. It's not very nice. Sorry, Jersey City, you know it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's I think just it's in. A, Bob hates Jersey, Jersey City. City. <laughs> <laughs> Film at eleven. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I don't know the work of either of the creators here, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm in. Uh, this is go on my pull list. It's for February. Yeah, it strikes me as like she'll be a young Avenger. That's what it strikes mm-hmm. me as, like Iron Lad or, mm-hmm. or or something like that. So I don't think that the name doesn't you know bother me at all. Um, Stephanie, what do you think about this? I think it sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like. I hope that it's fun, like Bob said, and lighthearted, and just an all a great book all around. And I worry a little bit about people, you know, blowing things out of proportions. Like I know there was a couple things with Karen Gillan and the last Young Avengers, I believe, mm-hmm. and shenanigans going on with that, and people being like, "This is controversial." <laughs> and I hope that that doesn't really come up in this book. You know, I I think we just need diversity and some really cool mm. things in comics and this sounds like this could be one of them yeah i mean the one of the quotes was i was just gonna use it, uh, Go for it. it i mean this is i don't know if it's the same quote that you you're talking okay. about but this is from wilson she says captain marvel represents an ideal that kamala pines for she's strong beautiful and doesn't have any of the baggage of being pakistani and different 
Um, uh, so, uh, Steve, what do you think about this announcement? Totally awesome. Mm-hmm. Totally awesome. Uh, Stephanie hit it on the head with uh, when she said diversity. Mm. Uh, I love the idea of where she comes from. I like the age bracket that she's in. I like the fact that she's honoring uh, another character, thereby lending more power and influence to the Captain Marvel character, uh, which is always good. Mm-hmm. Um, the cover image, the, the cover art that mm-hmm. we saw, I believe that was by Sarah Pacelli. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but I'll, All I'll right. check it for you. Regardless, um, it's... It's beautiful. I like the colors. I like the jewelry on her arms. Uh, I think it would be, I think it'd be a, a great move, um, just for Marvel and for characters in general. We need more of this type of stuff in comics, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a great great move and a great you know step in a great direction. I hope that the I I've only read the first trade of Air and I remember mm-hmm. I remember enjoying it and not being able to get my hands on the others. That's why I haven't finished it yet. Uh but I mean I love the art from Runaways. So if that's gonna be the case, then I am totally on board for this. I'll be there for issue number one, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a couple of reactions to it on Twitter. Repstone says more diversity is always a good thing. Nice. Um, at Thunderfoot seventy seven says if the <laughs> team is great, I'm in. Teaser image looks like uh uh looks like book smart teen as long as her religion is part of her and not all she is. Yes, I like that line. That, yeah. that comment as well. Yeah, and Carl Warner says I really dig it. Love the cover art. I mentioned about the interior art. I think he might be talking about the other image in the CBR post, which I think is like a variant cover. I don't think that's a representation uh, uh. of the interior art. Um, he said he likes the new because he likes the new unique art styles that Kelly Sue uses, um, but not sure. He said, but this is iffy. I think he's referring to that teaser image. Just let me know, um, Carl, if that's what you're referring to, because I think that's just like a, a apparent cover or something. I don't think that's because I don't think um, the Runaways art is not like crazy impressionistic, right? It's pretty. Uh, I'm, if they're talking about the first run, then no. Okay, that, yeah, that's the original artist, so. Yeah. Okay, um, cool. It does have a porcupine, or whatever um, that thing yeah, is, yeah, for I some reason. Yeah, I think it's a variant. I don't think that's, okay. that's uh, or a teaser image. I don't think that's interior art, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, the um, the the beginning art for, for Runaways, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's standard is, mm. is kind of lacking in, in detail, but yeah. um, it's... Kinda Sarah Pacelli ish, but maybe not as much uh, character or color put into it. But we don't know who the colorist is going to be. Right? No, no, no. Um, and who knows? Because artists they do different things for different books. And who knows? Maybe that artist has grown over. I mean, Runaways was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no idea what to expect from them uh, this time out. But I mean. Like I said, everything that I heard about this book this afternoon uh, spoke to me and was was something that I would get behind and I would want to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Bobby? Oh, I think it sounds awesome. You know, uh, I I love the teenage superhero uh, thing, and I, I think that Young Avengers has been great, and, and uh, more characters like that, and y- you any and any opportunity to use a new character um, is always great because there's that mystery and that sense of adventure and not knowing everything's not set in stone there's there's nothing that says you can't do this with this character because it's not the way it is she's creating this character from scratch and that will be very interesting to see as we go along um and it's it's like we said it a bunch of times but it's really great that by you know mid of next year marvel's gonna have 
a serious amount of, of female-led books, uh, which I think is very, very cool. You know, Miss Marvel isn't—I mean, Captain Marvel isn't carrying the flag kind of uh, by itself at the front anymore. There's a, we got a lot of books out. You know, Black Widow and Elektra and she now Hulk. this She-Hulk. So very, very cool stuff. I just hope people buy them. I think we had a listener actually write in and say yeah. that if you want these books, go out and support them. And yeah. my answer, obviously, to that is buy one less variant cover yeah. and buy an extra copy of Ms. Marvel oh, yeah. or She-Hulk mm. and give it to somebody who doesn't ordinarily read mm. comics. Mm. And let's get some new readers going for these books. Get those numbers up. Yeah, I mean, in this in this same vein, um, they announced a uh, a anthology series uh, called Legends of Red Sonia. It's a five part anthology series um, with all female talent um, doing the writing. Um, Devin uh, Grayson, uh, Marjorie Liu, Leah Moore, and Kelly Sue DeConnick. Um and also brings in uh, best-selling fan- fantasy authors Tamora Pierce, Mercedes Lackey, and um, I'm going to say this wrong, Mel- Melgine Brooks, um, and video game scriptwriter uh, Rihanna Pratchett, and horror author Nancy Collins. So lo- lots of uh, a big chunk of there. I mean, Bob, you've been loving the Gail Simone Red mm-hmm. Sonia. What do you think about this? I th- I saw this on a list that was coming out today. Oh, really? I think so, but then oh, my wow. store didn't show that it was getting it, so okay. is it delayed? Do we have a date on that? Oh, no, it says hitting store this week. I'm sorry, I just didn't yeah. hear about this. Yeah, no, yeah. it sounds, I'm going to have to pick one up from Rob, because Frank seems to have gotten mm. his orders fouled up, mm. or this, they fouled his orders up. Mm. No, great idea. Mm-hmm. No, just a wonderful list of creators, and Sonya's, I'm now a fan, so I'm right. on board with this. It sounds, I mean, it sounds really cool. I didn't realize, I had just said somehow it slipped through my, my, my purview. Uh, Gail Simone's not attached to that in any way. Yeah, no, she is. She yeah, is. But I, I was saying gonna, in addition, those writers. Yeah, yeah, are yeah. In addition, I was going to yeah. say because I thought that she was pretty much spearheading. Yeah, no, uh, she definitely is. Yeah. All right, cool. Absolutely. Um, and I guess saying the same thing, we've heard buzz this past weekend about possible uh, Jamie Alexander, who plays Sif in the Thor movies, possibly being in line to play Wonder Woman over, over at DC and Warner Brothers. There's been some definite chatter about it, and she said some very. Um, I think intentionally vague things about it to the press. Didn't she, didn't we talk about this a while back? And she was addressed like somebody had asked her about it, and she yeah, was but like, "This no. is like fresh rumors, yeah. though. This is just that she, she had came spoke, up. No, spoken but she to just talked companies. about it like it was a thing because she wrote a like she spoke to or she did like an interview or something about San Diego. I think that was something along the lines of, "This is why Wonder Woman movies don't work." Blah blah blah. And then she kind of broke it down as to like why she thinks we need one and what they need to do to make one happen. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. But there's yeah. been rumors that she's having discussions with... Yes, yes. No, I was just... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was speaking secret meetings. Was speaking of. Yeah, secret meetings with, with DC yeah. and Warner Brothers uh, about that because um, there's a lot of rumors that one room is going to be in the, that next movie in some sort of capacity. Mm. Um, Bob, what would, you, what would you think about Jamie Alexander? I think Jamie Alexander is great. I think David Goyer and Zack Snyder are the problem, (laughs) as they were before. She certainly can handle the action sequences. She's a, at least she plays tall in the Mm. movies. I don't Mm. know how statuesque she actually is. She could stand there in a big battle sequence and make you think she's in control of that room, but also there's a human quality that led you to believe there's compassion and everything else Mm -hmm. along with all that. Yeah. Can the DC cinematic universe capture this character properly? I'm not so certain with mm-hmm. all the talk about it. Perhaps they've got something attached now that put her into this movie, see how it flies, see what fan reaction is. Mm-hmm. I think we're we're launching trial balloons. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <laughs> we'll see. What do you think about? Obviously, we're gonna know. She obviously probably has a much bigger part in Thor: The Dark World. We ha- we haven't seen that yet. We're talking about that next week. Um, but uh, Steve, what do you think about someone who plays such a prominent role in another comic book movie? playing a very similar role in a different comic book movie. I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I don't think, I mean, unless, unless the character of Sif is like super, super featured in uh, Thor, the dark world, which I'm not certain that she will be. I know that they'll be making appearances in the warriors, the warriors four or three, three, three. three. Okay. Three. The warriors three, uh, they'll definitely be showing up, but uh, can she make the move over to DC and become, you know, this major, major character? Sure. I mean, when it, when it was even proposed and when the whole Wonder Woman thing came up, I mean, every almost every person that I saw throw a name into the hat, I saw her name more, come up more than mm-hmm. any other. Um, so from what I can tell, even fans that, that aren't us and that aren't, you know, steeped in this stuff – they're willing to to let it go and let her have her shot as Wonder Woman. I think she's got the look for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she has the presence for it on screen. She's beautiful. She's talented. Uh, there's no reason. I don't. I know. I mean, I I can separate the two mm-hmm. easily. More of her doing kick ass things in a comic book movie. I'm totally up for that. I think I think it's fine. Cool. What do you think, Seth? I think it's cool. Um, I like her. I like her as Sif. Um. I kind of ideally would like a different character like to play, to, to be differentiated. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Gina Carano would be an amazing Wonder Woman because mm-hmm. she, like, actually kicks ass. Mm-hmm. And she's really not that bad an actress. <laughs> I mean, considering, to be fair. Yeah, no. Haywire no, she's pretty good. rad. Yeah. So, I mean, personally, she'd be my top choice. But, I mean, it, that's just me being nitpicky, of course. And that's not a rumor. I mean, that's, you know, just my... Right personal preferences but i mean if jamie alexander is a legit choice for wonder woman there are definitely worse things in the world <laughs> absolutely so i mean she's awesome yeah so um i mean it'd be cool if she did a sith movie but that'll yeah. never happen so you know yeah. as you were everyone yeah <laughs> which would be awesome you know <clears throat> i think look in the grand scheme of things i don't think it's gonna matter if she plays both roles and she's awesome so that would be great i, I think that <clears throat> the characters are uh similar in in a lot of ways and i think that at it seems like from all the reports that the, the role has grown in thor 2 and is going to grow to be even bigger in in the third film so i i think you don't get brand confusion necessarily but i i, I think it takes away from both roles you know her being in that high profile a place in two places um that being said like stephanie said a lot worse places you can go i just think it 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 works because they are two different houses that they're never going to cross paths within a film. Well, no, but I'm, I'm talking about just perception as far as like, <clears throat> oh, it's weird that girl from Thor is playing another kick-ass superhero lady in this movie. You know, yeah. so, uh, hmm. so that's the only reason why. Because I think sometimes when that happens, it be- almost becomes even no matter how good she is in both, it sort of becomes like a joke. You know, like, oh, this is the one she, they, the person they cast in all of these movies, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, ultra I think the only person that <laughs> yeah. has successfully done that, like, multiple uh, superhero movies is Chris Evans. Yeah. I mean, he's been in three. Three? Four. Th- four. <laughs> he's been in four. <laughs> like, Scott Pilgrim, Captain Five. America, Fan- Fantastic Four, and Lo- The Losers. The Losers, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, but I, I mean, he's not exactly... 
his characters aren't exactly have like an iconic look. So. Yeah, no. So it's the flamingness. Yeah, and mm-hmm. also I think it's helped that like those other losers in Cap Pilgrim aren't series, and Fantastic Four was over before Captain America. I'm talking about the fact that they will be on at the same time might yeah. be a little bit strange. No, no. But again, like we're saying, a lot worse choices than having Jamie Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, can you tell me? Do you know who's our man? Who's our man is one of the original Justice Society. Okay, and it was in. More fun comics, I think it was. Okay. Correct, or maybe it was Adventure. Way, way back, uh, Rex Tyler, chemical scientist, creates a pill. I've never heard it pronounced, so I'm saying it's Miraclo. Okay. But it could be Miraclo, but I thought it was Miraclo. That gave him super strength and super speed for an hour at a time, which he could tell because he had a little hourglass around his neck. Mm Mm-hmm. Moving forward, even when they started crossing over into the Earth 2, Earth 1 stuff in the 60s, he was one of the most prominent characters to come back over. He eventually had a son mm-hmm. who had, by the time he got to the 70s and 80s, he was addicted to the drug and he had problems. And then his son had that too. His son eventually married a character called Liberty Bell, who's actually Jesse Quick, the daughter of Johnny Quick, the super speedster. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of legacy characters. I'm assuming it's going to be the younger version, not mm-hmm. the grandpa. Well, I of. asked you this because um, the, the Hubble reporter is reporting that uh, CW, which are obviously already has Arrow and is developing The Flash, is developing a drama centered around Our Man, a.k.a. Rex Tyler, a brilliant yet troubled, troubled, troubled pharmaceutical analyst who discovers that the visions that have plagued him since childhood are actually glimpses of tra- tragic events occurring one hour in the future. Determined to win back his ex-wife and son, he heroically prevents these tragedies from unfolding, finding both purpose and redemption along the way. That's an added power they gave the younger version gotcha. fairly lately. Mm-hmm. That's that's a bit bland mm. for me, but then so is Arrow. Right. So interesting though. <laughs> interesting. Why why would you think uh, just why, why would they pick Our Man? I have no sodden idea why you would pick <laughs> Our Man. Of 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 the Justice Society characters, he was a popular one. He mm. was their strongman character. Mm-hmm. The the character I would pick out of that group would certainly be Doctor Fate. Mm-hmm. Right, you, you yeah. take the magician and go for cosmic and mm-hmm. go something bigger, but they're they're reining everything in. Yeah, and they're especially on the TV side. Yeah, are, yeah. So I'm sure that's where they went that way. Though the, I guess Wildcat was too normal. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just a boxer who happens to beat up criminals in right. his spare time, or the Sandman, the mm-hmm. gas gun wielding fella. So he has superpowers that they've added some mystical element to. I have no clue, though. <laughs> it's a it's an awfully left field choice. That there's a Sopranos writer named Michael Calero. Calero, yeah, Michael attention. Calero, yeah, yeah. I, Crazy. Yeah, it's gonna be grim. I'm thinking. I, I would assume you would think with all the, with that pedigree and and that description. The the what's cool. The only thing I think I think is cool about it is that, um, I I think that it shows that they're willing to go with properties that aren't as well-known as some of these other things that they've been dealing with. Oh, at this at this juncture, at this point in time, he is an... Is there such a thing as an E-level character? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are so far down the, the list, I don't know, Kathy Griffin can't find him. <laughs> it's that bad. Yeah. He was a very popular character for mm. many, many, many years, mm. many, many, many years ago. Right. The only thing I can think is they got a lot of pitches, and this was the best. That's the only thing I can, I can think of what happened. 
um, because why else does our man make it to the to the screen unless the pitch for it w- was great, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, Steve, knowing that it's a character that you don't know, but mm-hmm. you know it's a superhero character, and it's being developed by someone from The Sopranos, do, does it give you any interest in, in checking it out? Uh, well, it being developed by the person from The Sopranos is neither here nor there for me. I've never okay. seen Sopranos. Okay. Uh, I saw the first couple episodes uh, the uh, long ago, <laughs> and uh, it was okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, it, it ran for a while, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know shit. But um, I mean, I'll I'll check it out because it's it's comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, I do think it's cool that they're kind of taking a shot on something that is so ridiculously unknown. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw the way that I found out about this was, uh, I believe it was Katie Cook possibly okay. on Twitter. Hmm. was so confused by it that she was like, what is this Our Man business? <laughs> and uh, so I had to go and check it out. And, you know, I always get a little concerned with the, the CW stuff just because of their, the way, their delivery mm-hmm. of things that, I mean, I hear, I hear the, the backdrop for this and I can already see it in my mm. head. Like, they're going to go with the sun. It's going to mm. be you know, the young, loner, buff dude and... Mm. You know he's pretty, and but he'll be brooding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be got a brood. Upset. But um, I mean, you know, if they can make it work, if they're gonna be, I would love it if they actually did something supernatural with one of these shows. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the Arrow, which is very much, or what is trying to be, uh, very street level mm-hmm. kind of Robin Hood stuff, and then you have the Flash, which will be, I guess, more police detective oriented kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll see a bit bigger characters in that show if they get that far but with something like this i mean you could you can come up with new people and nobody would even know Mm -hmm. and you can throw them into the mix and we could wind up with some really cool villains or maybe some cool support characters Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah why not yeah he had a great look which i'm sure they're not gonna do i mean that's the 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 art they put up seems like the classic art for it but we'll we'll have to see what's going on with it the yellow hood yeah yeah. shadows over his eyes okay we'll see um Stephanie, do you do you want to say anything about Our Man? No. I... no. <laughs> that, what, you didn't even say a word. Nye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want to break the internet. All right. So moving on. Um, last story here. Um, we talked about this before, and I don't want to get too much into it because I, I think it's less a controversy than people let on. But uh, Apple has blocked uh, sex criminals yeah. from oh. being on uh, their iOS app. Uh, and I don't really want to talk about we talk, we long talk about this when we talked about Saga and all yeah. that stuff. Um, I, I'm more bringing this up because if you're not currently following Matt Fraction on Twitter, you really should be. Butt Stuff Werewolf. Butt Stuff Werewolf, which is currently his <laughs> name. Um, uh, so he'd been tweeting about this, obviously. He says, official sex criminals number two is banned by Apple for sale via Comixology on iOS. Not the iBook store, though, because it's hilarious that way. That's what he said. <laughs> and he said, via Apple... This is Apple's statement. We found that one or more of your in-app purchases contains content that many audiences would find objectionable, which is not in compliance with the App Store review guidelines. And his next tweet says, so there it is. Apple screws sex criminals. <laughs> um, and, he had, and then he tweeted after. He said, he said it's absolutely Apple's ch- choice to decide to sell what they want to sell, but it's also mine and Chip's choice to mock them for it. So he's a very good follow on Twitter. That's the only reason I brought it up because I don't. It's not worth talking about. Like we talked about last time, they're allowed to do whatever they want to do. They're a private company, uh, private service, and they can decide what to get sold in their store. But 
I like that he, I, the way that he handled it. Yeah, I thought was was f- not only funny, mm-hmm. um, but handled very well. Yeah, by him because we've had this problem in the past with books where, I mean, it's been an, uh, an entire afternoon mm-hmm. of people just you know sending in their their hate and their yeah. thoughts and their this and bashing this and bashing that, and I mean I've even been guilty of it in the past, but I mean. You know, it happened. It is what it is. And he's like, you can get it in other ways. Yeah. I'm going to keep making the book. Yeah. We love the book. You love the book. So mm-hmm. who gives a shit? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So that's going to wrap up our, our new segment. Um, let's move on to our book of the week. Now, Stephanie, you have been saying on Twitter all day that you read a bunch of books and you're really excited to talk about them. So why don't you start us off? Um, so I guess I want to start things off. Um with non-traditional kind of comics that we talk about all the time. Um, when Mara and Melissa and I did the women in comics show, uh, we, we talked a little bit about manga and, um, I've been having conversations with Mara and, uh, this awesome New Yorker named Zoe, uh, about manga online. And, you know, it kind of, Mara's been giving me all these recommendations for things to read. And I picked one of those app called Blackbird and, read that that's not really like i'm getting back into kind of big series but this other one i picked up was this story called children of the sea um and it's a five-part series um and it's absolutely beautiful i wasn't expecting i kind of i the wake kind of reinvigorated my love for like crazy ocean stuff so i was just kind of browsing around and i came across this book and i was just leafing through it and um Manga still laid out a lot, like like comic books, but it, you read it backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was looking through it, and there's these beautiful, like full page spreads of like the ocean and ocean animals, and it was just incredible. It's about these kids that were raised in the sea, and um, you know, this girl, uh, she kind of becomes a part of their lives. Um, but, like, when she was a little kid, she saw this ghost in an aquarium. That's what she calls it. She doesn't really know what it is. And um, these children that were raised in the sea again, uh, they all kind of come together because they've seen it, too. And they're kind of trying to figure out what it is and what's going on. And, you know, they start to work together to try and figure out what that is. Um, there's a lot more stuff going on. But, again, I don't really want to get into that too much. It's just a really beautiful series. And... I don't think I've ever seen a manga that had color in it. Um, but the first few pages of the first issue are these beautiful watercolor spreads. And they're just gorgeous. Like, I was just like, wow, this is beautiful. I, like, I just really enjoyed it. And it surprised me um, that after a really long time away from it, that, you know, I would pick up, the first one I would pick up would just be something that would want to make me get back into that um, genre a lot more. Um, I only read the first two volumes. I'm kind of looking for three, four, and five right now, but it's so good. Uh, I don't have the, I didn't write down the name of the author. I will post it up somewhere, but it's really great. And I think the fifth volume just recently came out too. Um, so that was probably one of my favorite things that I read, um, in the last few days. Um, I also got around, Bobby talked about this last week, so I just wanted to quickly say Aquaman 24. Mm. So good. <laughs> so good. Um, and I've gotten back into Chew, 
if you guys haven't read that before, by Rob Guillory and uh, something Lehman. John Lehman. Thank you. <laughs> something Lehman. Something Lehman. Um, and oh, I forgot how much I really enjoyed this series and like the art and the witty banter and just like how completely fresh and original the whole story is. Um, if you're not reading it, I seriously recommend it. The first volume is awesome and you'll be like what is happening but then you just kind of just go with it and it's really addicting and it's incredible well seven um, people who don't know what is chew um okay i'm gonna try and explain it this is my, th- my favorite part of the show <laughs> <laughs> so me trying to explain things yeah <laughs> okay so um chew is there's chicken has been banned poultry has been banned from this, you know, alternate earth, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like this breakout of avian flu. And so the FDA has become sort of like the CIA, the FBI. And mm-hmm. like, you know, they've become a big player in the law enforcement world. I, I love that even when you say all the words correctly, you're still, <laughs> you're still pausing like, like you're not I'm saying it right. To- I was trying to think of the word I was trying. I was going to be like the policing world, but then law enforcement made a lot more sense and it came to me as I was trying to work out my words. <laughs> um, but the twist in this is, uh, in this world, there's people with special powers, and it's not like they're superheroes or anything, but they have like food-related powers. For instance, our main character, Tony Chu, um, he, I believe, is a sibopath. Um, and what happens is, is that Anything that he can, anything that he consumes, anything that he eats, anything that he drinks, he can see the history, like their life. So, um, like Ew. if he eats a banana, he can see the banana, you know, how it grew into a tree, and you know how long it sat in the tree until it was picked and you know shipped off to the grocery store where he bought it, picked it up, and ate it. Mm-hmm. Like he can see the history. So. He can do this with all items, you know, and if he has a hamburger, he can see the life of the cow mm-hmm. um, and so on and so forth. So naturally, when he's investigating murders, his boss, you know, is like, well, this could be handy. <laughs> so what happens is his boss kind of recruits him to join the task force uh, to, you know, the homicide task force in order to consume dead bodies and you know then kind of figure solve the case from there and i know it sounds really gruesome but they kind of just play with it and it's funny and it's not nearly as gross as it sounds i promise um but there's all these other people that have interesting powers too like for instance one of the people can basically make you taste what she has tasted by like via her food reviews (laughs) like what you read you can taste Mm -hmm. kind of thing so they have this really interesting set of like sort of superpowers, mm-hmm. but like they're really strange superpowers. Kind of like you know when you go on like Tumblr and you're looking up like weird random posts of the superpowers you don't necessarily want. <laughs> so, anyways, that's that's basically the first volume of Chew and mm-hmm. the sort of stuff that ties into the rest of the series. It's really fantastic. <laughs> I promise it's so good it sounds good um but yeah and the art style is really cool and a lot different from anything that 
I think is out there right now. So, yay! I hope I explained that. You, you did. Know. You explained it very, yes. very well. Okay, better than like the Willy Wonka Steve Jobs incident yeah. a while back. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's a really awesome read, and I don't know what issue they're at right now, but you know, get on board. Um, I had a chance to read uh, Alex and Ada number one. Oh uh, yeah, Sarah Vaughn and Jonathan Luna. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I feel like you know, obviously Steve's going to be on board with this. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be doing the review this week. I'm going to review the whole run. Yeah, it's very like um, I w- I don't want to say much because it comes out today. Yeah. Um, but like it's like I robot meets um other Luna Brothers stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like the last few things I've read of the Luna Brothers, it all kinds of starts out with like a guy kind of pining for a girl that's broken up with him, and oh. then from there things ensue. Did you ever read the sword? Well, yes, because uh, it doesn't I'm start out like get that. To that. I, yes, I, I was the one that read the sword and recommended it to you. Lies, <laughs> not lies. <laughs> Truths. Anyways. Truths. Um, but yeah, so that's really interesting. So if you're a fan of, you know, the Luna Brothers, like Steve, for instance, that might be something you want to pick up. <laughs> I'm sure we'll hear uh, more about it next. It's all week. I'm good for. Yeah. Yeah, and again, just like Coffin Hill, really cool. Finally got around to reading that. Sex mm-hmm. Criminals, obviously. Um, Hellboy the Midnight Circus awesome <laughs> really awesome self-contained story I've never really read Hellboy before um, but it was just it's basically a story from Hellboy's like childhood and a circus that he finds and I really enjoyed it loved the art loved the story and you know if you've only seen the movies or anything and you're not sure where to hop on as far as the comics go I personally felt like this was self-contained enough that I can enjoy it without having any other mm-hmm. uh, knowledge of the comics. Cool. Awesome. So, and that's fairly new, I believe. So mm-hmm. you should definitely look for that. And then last thing I talk about, I promise, um, is Drumheller number one by Riley Rossmo, um, which is out today it's also as well. out today, yes. Um, which I really, really, really enjoyed. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't read any synopsis of it synopsi um previously and i just kind of uh as reviewers we kind of get like access to stuff and i saw it in the folder and looked at it and it was just like oh wow this is cool (laughs) um it it's basically kind of again this is another thing that i think will be right up steve's alley Mm -hmm. Uh, a guy that kind of is on this path i don't even know how to explain it he's kind of basically like search finding his way through life but like from what I kind of gathered, he's he takes like weird hallucinogens and costs right up Steve's he alley. Some, yeah. <laughs> he just has some really strange methods to kind of figuring out, you know, figuring his way through mm-hmm. stuff. I love when comic um, book characters. I'm not drugs. making it sound very good. It's not really that's not like the central thing. That's kind of just you know what's happening mm-hmm. alongside the actual story. But um, the art's really great. I believe Riley writes it does the art and the letters for it lettering oh, wow. I could wrong he does like three out of like the four big things mm. so um <laughs> definitely keep an eye out for that don't laugh at me <laughs> i'm laughing at bob <laughs> laughing at you three of the four big things <laughs> well like there's like you know like lettering there's coloring there's yeah. the uh you know the script and you know <laughs> the actual thing. pencils 
Yeah. What about the inker? Well, or he is he just a too. tracer? He does the art. He does script. And <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, my brain works in weird ways. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, it's really good. Awesome. That's so, what's important. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I've rambled for too long. Somebody else do stuff. All right. No, it was charming. <laughs> Steve. Yo. Hit me with your best shot. <laughs> okay. Um, you want to talk about Superior Spider-Man talk now? Superior Spider-Man. All right. Um, the Sl- Superior Spider-Man. Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> the Superior Spider-Man yeah. number 20 hit this uh, this past week. And Dan Slott had been basically teasing this issue for the better part of two months, saying that this would be you know, a huge turning point for the series, something really big was going to happen, so on and so forth. So um, I ran into a bit of an issue with this issue. Mm. Uh, Mm. See see what I did there? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it just as part of the superior Spider-Man story. Mm -hmm. Things are just out of control in this book, and that's the way that I've loved superior spider-man pretty much since the beginning Mm -hmm. so this just you know he keeps on turning the notch past 11 with the story and i'm just really 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 enjoying it however the big the big to do uh you know of course will come at the end of the issue i will not spoil anything for anyone um let's just suffice to say that sometimes the like the big things that get teased I'm always I always assume that they're uh like an event. It'll be something that changes the course of the entire story or something something mm-hmm. catastrophic is going to happen that's going to turn the series on its ass. Mm-hmm. But every now and again they take it it's um more character related mm-hmm. in in uh in the big surprise and I run into a problem where the big reveal is I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what it means mm-hmm. for the story right. and for that universe. And so, you know, having not read S- Spider-Man and not being uh, familiar with all of the cast of characters, when this surprise hit, it was like, you know, ta-da! And I was like, oh, yay! <laughs> you know, um... I like the. I'm trying to be so vague. I like the concept of the character. I think the the setup for it is cool. I'm very curious as to how exactly it works mm-hmm. with this character. But the reveal itself, like I I bought this. This was the first thing I read on mm-hmm. Wednesday. I was so pumped. Like I sat down and I'm like ah, oh. <laughs> and I'm reading it and I'm reading it and I'm like yes yes, what? <laughs> and and then there I am and I'm like mm-hmm. kind of left on. Still enjoying it, mm. but completely, completely and totally left out of the the big deal. Right. Um, so, you have thoughts? Uh, yeah, yeah. For, I mean, for me, I, I'm in the same boat as you. The character that gets revealed at the end, I don't know who they are. Um, but for me, I felt like the the that's a big moment, I guess. But the, for me, the big stuff happened before those moments. There's a couple dominoes that fall here that are pretty major with uh, you know Doc Ock slash Peter's ruse that he's putting up, um, some some um, uh, obstacles come into his way and his in, in, into his kind of subterfuge from places you don't really expect. So uh, that I think is a big moment, and also and the uh, the other Spider Woman who is now uh, Madame Web, Jessica Drew. 
Is that her? What? What's? No. Uh, Jessica Carpenter. Jessica Carpenter. Jessica Carpenter, um, who has been in a coma for a lot of this uh, for a long time now. Um, uh, in fact, she called in her own coma when she went to a coma. She said she called the ambulance. Like I'm about to fall into a coma. Basically, what she said because <laughs> she could see she could sense it coming because she has psychic powers. Um, we, we we finally see her again for the first time in a very very long time here. She's still in the hospital, still in the coma, but she has a vision, and that vision is it. it She's a character who can absolutely completely mess up what Doc Ock has going on, pretending to be Peter. Um, there's also Running with the Black Cat, which I think is a lot of fun. Um, and again, it's another character along the way that can get get in, can start to build the case against right. him as not really being the character that he is anymore. Um, but I thought the art by Giuseppe Camoncoli yeah. that was awesome. I yeah, mean, I was going to say that. Yeah. And the, uh, especially the uh, inks by John Dell were yeah. also amazing. Yeah, there's some great art in the book. And, you know, it seems like um, Slot kind of has this rotation of Stegman, Emberto uh, Ramos, and Camoncoli kind of doing every couple of issues of the book because it comes out so often. And Camoncoli um, is generally my least favorite of the three, but in this issue, he, I think he takes up to their level. Um, there's especially, there's that one page that's like, uh, after, uh, one of the mistakes that, that, uh, Doc Ock makes, uh, we get kind of him standing behind kind of a specter of yeah. his, of his Spider-Man with the kind of Doc Ock, Doc Ock arms, like, uh, you know, figure. And it's just really striking, really good stuff. I loved, um, the black cat, yeah, stuff. <clears throat> yeah, it was good. It was really she, good. They, they have a, a bit of a, a tussle during yeah. the during the book, and those moments and her, her, the aftermath of those moments and her her pretty much being, uh, her look of disbelief was was very. Uh, I felt it. Yeah, I felt it. You know. Well, she he he gets like the alert right. That's like oh, there's a there's a crime going on. Yeah, and he pops on the roof or she's robbing somebody and and she goes hey and she's her little like flirty thing and then he just punches her in the face yeah <laughs> so it's a very different kind of uh relationship between them obviously because he's not actually peter but yeah it was a good twist on, on that relationship well, at least we know that she has enough money to get a good dentist yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um so what, what's up next for you steve um i'm gonna keep my list short because i think we have a lot of the same books mm-hmm. uh i see bob has got the battle of the atom i have some words mm-hmm. for that later uh saga 15 came out this past week it was wonderful, um, you know, moving into the third arc, it was a little bit rocky getting back into things, but 15 just gets you right back in there with some really great um, moments and lines from Hazel and building on, I've really uh, started to enjoy Marco's mother mm. as a character. She's grown on me a great deal, especially gotcha. in this mm-hmm. issue. Uh, mm. Her and Alana share a lot of uh, moments with one another, and then with the uh, the author of the the novel, the romance novel that Alana and Marco pretty much based their relationship around, she shares moments with him, and um, I find myself getting closer to her and caring about her. And I didn't care about her at all mm. uh, when she first came onto the scene. I thought she was kind of a nag, right? And you know, annoying. she's a mother-in-law, so right? That's what but, she's supposed to be. You know, now that we've had pretty much ample time with her, and not to mention, this is another issue where the last page, your your heart's in your throat, mm-hmm. and you need the next issue now, and it's not coming for another four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving right along, I my... see you have Guardians of the Galaxy on the top there. Yeah, Guardians was good. Guardians is always good. Yeah, I, you know what I got to tell you? I love 
Francesco uh, Franca- Francavella. Francavella. Yeah. I did not love the merging of his art and this story in this particular issue. Really? Yeah, just it wasn't for me. I loved the. I loved the wide shots, like the the space station stuff. It looked very, you know, had the kind of like that, um, uh, the look from that, uh, the Witching Hour, uh, Vertigo thing, yeah. the the space story there. It had the oh. kind of that look to it. Uh, but I just, for some reason, in this particular story, the two styles didn't mesh for me particularly right. well. The the smaller panels, the smaller, I guess, shots or whatever, they felt rather cramped. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially uh, panels with Groot, where he seemed almost kind of drawn like diagonally, or mm. just like he thinned out in the middle. Mm. Um, but I gotta tell you, I really am. I don't know what they're gonna do with him for the movie, uh, as far as him speaking or him just saying "I am Groot." But I love the fact that because I've been reading this for a while, just when he says "I am Groot" and I read the reactions mm-hmm. f- from the other characters, they can pretty much uh, like determine what he said. And I find myself understanding the I am Groot <laughs> and laughing yeah. at the I am Groot now because some of them are really well placed. Yeah, and uh, I mean like that's Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's been like a, a constant source of entertainment uh, for me. But um, I mean, I'll get to one more book. But I just want to say the reason why I don't have too many books to talk about this week is uh, I played a. I went through the entire Lego Marvel mm-hmm. superheroes game uh, for the website. There'll be a full review uh hitting this week where you guys can hear my thoughts uh some some pros some cons but uh overall an absolute joy to play so if anybody is on the fence about buying it um i'll spoiler i do recommend it especially playing it with friends it's a blast Mm. um but getting back to the comics and i'll talk about my comic book of the week going back to the spider-man universe uh ultimate Comics spider-man number 28 uh the end of the spider-man no more arc with uh, Spider-Woman and Cloak and Dagger. Basically taking, now that they've all come together and they all understand who each other are, and we've learned about the new Cloak and Dagger backstory and how their ties to the Roxxon company, uh, Miles and Spider-Woman and Cloak and Dagger have decided to take the fight to the building, to the source, and, you know, nip it in the bud. And there, it's just a, it was a really spectacular end to this reintroduction of Cloak and Dagger, uh, like kind of giving them a new polish and whatnot. But um, I wouldn't say that this, is, this isn't Spider-Man uh, spoilers or anything like that, but every so often there's been an issue within this series. There's been at least three of them where we're really, Bendis is crafting who Miles is as a character, who he is as Spider-Man. And there's been at least three moments where you've really got to see into him and see who he is. And towards the very end, it's not the last page, but he's, you know, with his friends doing his Spider-Man stuff. And he goes back to his dorm room and his roommate and best friend, Genki, is in, in the room. And he sees Miles sneaking back into the dorm in his Spider-Man gear. Ooh. And Genki hasn't seen him mm. in the gear for about a year. Mm. And he comes in. And he just, he goes up to him and he's like, dude, please tell me that this is real. Tell me that mm-hmm. this is, this is what you're doing, that you're back, please. Because he wants him to be Spider-Man more than anything. Right. And Miles is standing there and it's one of those like single, whole full, full page towering shots of him standing with his, like his fists on his hips 
and it's this big upshot of his face, and he's older now, he's more mm-hmm. mature, and he's in the suit, and it just says, I am Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I got fucking chills. <laughs> I was like, like I squealed. I was like, uh, yeah! <laughs> uh, I've loved this series since issue one, and it's still rock solid. I love mm-hmm. it. It's amazing. Awesome. awesome. Um, so that's it for you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. We'll talk about, I'll throw my two cents in about some uh some other issues in a little bit okay Okay. uh bob why don't you go next sure well one of them will get started with right away at the top of my pile is x-men battle of the Uh, number two chapter 10 yes uh now i had to buy this to know what was going to happen with the marvel's merry mutants over here you know (laughs) that this is interrupted Mm. brian wood's x-men which was becoming almost incomprehensible except for the sort of internal discussions that I was used to seeing. Mm-hmm. So I figured I might as well see what's going on to get some mm-hmm. glimpse of where we're moving forward because this was going to be the event that changed everything in caps and quotes. No, not so much. <laughs> um, there's no more... Spoiler alert. It's a, there's some restrictions for time travel now, apparently. Mm-hmm. And sadly, the only one that really made those sort of stories fun, which mm-hmm. is... I'll say it, going backwards. Mm -hmm. Why we felt that was necessary, I'm not particularly sure. It sort of cuts off some storytelling, but beyond whatever decision they decided to make here, I'm reading the book, and these are the original Mm X-Men, dragged forward from the 60s, or wherever they're saying they're from. Whatever the the timeline works out to now. Certainly not exactly acting like Mm -hmm. I remember them, Mm -hmm. acting like they are at least finally saying, well, we have to go back. Mm -hmm which is a great relief after issue after issue after issue saying, no, we're staying. I don't care what you say. We're staying. We know what we're going back to. We're staying. Despite the fact Jean Grey sacrificed herself for all humanity and the universe all those years ago, she doesn't act like that here. Though she does manage to, you know, scream about how they should kick some other character's ass. The Jean Grey, well, the Jean Grey who showed up at Professor X's doorstep (laughs) in a pillbox hat and white cotton gloves was the lady that they all sort of, they're all in awe of this woman standing there. Uh, So I, very convoluted, went all over the place. I guess they think they have this sorted out. Then there are some epilogues. Uh, There are some good moments between Aurora and her daughter, Jubilee and Shogo, which is a lot of fun Mm. in the second one. Uh, other two, not so much. Uh, The fourth one, particularly, I mean, Kitty. That's the, she makes a choice. I don't want to spoil an epilogue to a book here. Kitty makes a choice that I'm not real happy with. Doesn't seem like the Kitty I know either. Read it for yourself, guys, and figure it out. Not to my taste, anyway. What's the opinion in the room here? Uh, Steve, you've been <laughs> catching up on it, right? Yeah, I mean, in regard to the to the Kitty thing, I, uh, I, f- I know that the decision that she makes didn't come from out of nowhere. But because the the latter end of the event to me was such a mess that it kind of got her her whole position and her whole stance in this thing was really lost on me that when that when this comes about in the end, I was kind of like almost like left feeling like, where when 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 did you become so disgruntled? Um, I mean, my problem with it was the the constant switching in art. Uh, I found was was really just I mean it was like four or five times uh, they changed the art within the book 
right? You're talking about this last yes, issue? Yes, yes, this issue. Well, yeah, I mean, but but the the main story, I believe, is pretty much the same um, mm. mostly through, I thought. Most oh, no, you're right. Way. No, no, there are, there are different artists. Um, I mean, I, I don't... All right. My, hist- my thing with Battle of the Atom, I really, really, really enjoyed it at the beginning. It was really exciting. Uh, I loved issues like, I think, one through four... And then around chapters five and six, I I felt like it was spinning its wheels. And then towards the end, it was four different generations of heroes, and they're all yelling and they're all fighting. And I know it's Battle of the Atom, but um, I don't know. I I, I felt I I just I don't know I don't know what the end of this means for. I don't see what the big to do was i mean we have characters that weren't in the universe now that i guess are stuck and we're going to be seeing them moving forward which i guess is something major mm-hmm. uh i recognize that but uh i just would have thought that it, it would have been a bit cleaner with all these groups and all these people arguing about the same thing again and again and again i just i, I grew tired of it after a while um well so for me um the last issue here, uh, I didn't love the the last issue of, of the book. I felt like um, I didn't necessarily get a closure uh, on many things, which look is is something that comes up a lot when we talk about any any of these kind of things. Um, however, I mean, I I agree with a lot of what you said, Steve. Except for me. I think I loved issues one through four, and then I think issue five and six kind of wavered for me a little bit. But then since then, I've been loving the last the last half of the event, um, and you know, the, the, I love all these alternate versions of the characters and these future versions and these past versions coming together. Um, uh, I, I I thought the fight was entertaining at the end. I loved the 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 coming together of all the different groups and the way that they use their powers. I thought it was visually very interesting. Look, uh, but the thing about uh, what I didn't really love about the issue and the art side for me, that was a problem was look, I think, uh, Saad Ribic is a great artist and obviously he's been doing fantastic work on, uh, Thor God of Thunder, but the art, even though throughout all of these different issues of Battle of the Atom, we've had different artists. We've had Stuart Immonen, and then we've had, I think, David Lopez and all these different artists. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a, a theme within their art, which is a a more kind of, you know, realistic, traditional style. Ribic is, is like a painter. So it, 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 while it's beautiful to look at, it didn't feel like I was I was experiencing the same story, okay. uh, you know, uh, by the time I was reading. And that threw me off for the first couple of pages. Uh, you know, uh, other than that, you know, a lot of the stuff that bothered you, Bob, obviously didn't, it didn't bother me a, a, a lot. Um, I thought there were some great little moments. I liked a couple of the epilogues to me, the kitty decision because of what's been happening, especially in the battle of the atom made sense to me mm-hmm. because there's that whole thing where, you know, she's kind of like, let me go after them. Let me deal with this. And then she kind of gets betrayed by the people who... She gets steamrolled. Yeah, she gets steamrolled by people who she claims to trust, who, who claim to trust her and be on her side. So I can see where that's coming from. Um, but, um, yeah. Well, one other thing I was I wanted to ask you, too. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's called Battle of the Atom. There's going to be casualties. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the other things about the book, was that the casualties that we experience within the story... Uh, to me, weren't very impactful. Mm. And if 
if you're going to take someone out, I want it to matter to me. And not only did it, was I not like, you know, really thrown by the way, by, by who goes and how and whatnot. But, um, there was one, one thing said where it was like, oh my God, did I just watch myself die? Mm. And then one of the other generations was like, oh, well, we're going to make sure that we don't grow up to be that. And that doesn't happen. Mm. And I'm like, well, if that's not where you meet your end, then why do I care? Well, I, I mean, uh, mm. I, I mean, look, I, I don't think that the deaths are very impactful either in that way. It feel like they feel like people you don't know. So why do you care? Um, I, I think that's more as a kind of th- those are more supposed to be cautionary things to these people to guide them as they as they get older, right? That's what mm-hmm. I think the point of that is. Look how the point of it is. If we keep going the way we're going, look how bad it can end for us. Right. You know, and we don't ever want to be this thing. Uh, but yeah, so Stephanie, I know that you had read it in the beginning, but you had kind of dropped off it. Did you end up reading through this? Nope. I'm okay. going to wait for the trade. Um, okay. Honestly, I know I, it just turned me off having to jump through, you know, all the different, like, you know, not uh, issues, just the different books. Yeah, yeah, you know, I get you. I just wanted to make sure. I didn't want to leave you out of the discussion. Thank you, Bobby. You're welcome, Stephanie. All right, Bob, what do you got next for us? Infinity number five, mm. uh, Jonathan Hickman, Jerome Opeña. Yeah. Is it Opeña? Opeña. Opeña. Builders' worlds are falling left and right. They're becoming Avengers' worlds as mm. they start to become liberators. Mm. And the tide of battle is turning, except Thanos is doing all sorts of bad stuff. Yes. So he's here. It's the result of the Terrigen Mist, mm-hmm. and his son Thane is now, yeah, empowered. Yes, <laughs> quite quite a bit. So, as mm-hmm. a matter of fact, it, it's really all starting to come together. Characters who didn't care for each other have all joined. We've got Shi'ar and Skrull and Kree, and it's all well. These other guys are worse. So for mm-hmm. the duration, mm-hmm. we're going to do this. Some great moments with. Captain America, the heroism shown by the other various Avengers liberating these planets and in the captions, it's mm. heroes people have heard about, their legends and people no one even knows still fighting for us. It's yeah. a really, really mm-hmm. well-crafted story. It's why this has sort of worked for me more mm-hmm. than some of these events that does seem to be a deeper story being told beyond what we're seeing on the page, and it's in the way the panels are constructed with the words within them, the points mm. of view of these people. So I'm really enjoying that. That said, we moved into Avengers 22 and not so much. <laughs> um, New Avengers has been the standout book mm. of the two from the very beginning, before mm. we got to this event. This has some of those great moments too. Uh, Thor and Cap speaking to Eden in two mm. different voices about what their destiny could be or might be. But it seems like an awful lot of setup for about $3 to me. It didn't seem to go anywhere. And that's okay if you're really reinforcing who these people are. Not quite enough of that. There's mm. a lot of standing around kind of thing. Did anyone read? I, I didn't get, get this to Avengers did? yet. Um, for me, Infinity, I, 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 li- I liked it. You know, part of it, the, the only thing that bothered me, and I, I think this might this might go away on the second reading or maybe when we get to the finale, Um. I've been loving all the space stuff a lot, um, and I was ex- I w- but if saying that I was more excited about the Thanos on Earth Thane stuff, mm-hmm. Inhuman stuff. That stuff I've been excited about for a while. The only thing I'm starting to get worried about is that they've waited so long. We're at we're at part five of six now 
to get to the inhuman stuff and the Terrigen Mist stuff and what's Thane going to do and what's Thanos going to do and all this other stuff, I begin to worry that this is going to be the thing that goes, if you want to find out what happens about this part, you must, go to get, you must read Inhumanity. And that's yeah. the part of Marvel events that always drives me crazy. And I've been... And and it felt like a really even though they've been setting they have been layering it in throughout the whole thing, when they finally pulled the trigger on it and got to it, for some reason it felt it felt wrong to me. It felt like not part of the same thing I had been reading. I felt like that space stuff was so epic and so big and so and so amazing. And then to to go to the Earth stuff, which another layer of the story, great, but getting that sense that how is he gonna wrap this up in an in an issue? Well, we have three more, I think. There are I thought two, it was six. Yeah, but there are two more Avengers oh, in, before right, right, we right, get the to the next right, Infinities. Yes, yes. I think that, yeah, it's 22, 23, and then Infinity right, 6. Right, right, yeah. Oh, we have the charts. Yeah. Uh, so I'm certain there'll be some extra stuff, but I agree with you. I think we're going to go smack dab into Inhumanity and all those crossover and tie-ins. Right. And they're the new mutants, not mm-hmm. to use that old book title, yeah. that... that with no more mutants, they're scattered or mm. smaller numbers where there were 40 million of them mm. before. Now there'll be lots of inhumans. Which is their plan, absolutely, yeah. to make them kind of a new X-Men type of type of group. And I'm excited. I'm really excited about inhumanity. Uh, 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 but I just, I get that feeling. I get that, you know, end of Civil War, end of Secret Invasion, mm-hmm. end of all of those events that it's like, okay, you finish this now. Go spend another three hundred dollars on books so you can figure out what happens at the end of this this story. It's the event fatigue that I've had now since all yeah. those things you mentioned, where it sort of becomes a college course and it's required reading one mm. to the next to the next. Yeah. And one of my correspondents is talking about wouldn't it be nice to go back to every once in a while? There's a bad guy robbing a bank. <laughs> And the you know the yeah. the mirror master just needs some money to buy some new silver paint or something, yeah. and you know the flash stops it. Yeah. Or you know the Fantastic Four sit around and open their mail. Yeah, that's just been one l- of the nice things read about l- Superior Spider-Man. It's dealt with some with mm-hmm. a lot of those smaller type situations, and has seemingly been untouched by this these event books. Well, it's why Daredevil, yeah. we all love. It's why Hawkeye is yeah. the way it is, and where Captain Marvel's been in different places with her own little event, yeah. where there's been okay, that's a going on, but over here yeah. is this other nicer thing. And I wouldn't mind if we went event to event event, and there were hooks. I just I don't want it to be this thing where I feel like I I spent. Fifty dollars, and I didn't get a full story. Right. That's that's the only thing I, I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens. So now to happier news, my book of the week, and uh, Stephanie's going to break the internet. I <laughs> bought some months ago. I found very luckily sitting in Barnes and Noble for fifteen dollars, and it's been waiting for a week like this where I had nothing else to talk about. It's Brian Q. Miller's the first Batgirl trade paperback. <laughs> <laughs> we were all waiting for it, yeah, yeah. Which, which I just absolutely loved. Waffles. I should just let Stephanie do this. Um, I had never encountered this character before, except for having one or two issues that Steve has had me pick up. The, the she and Supergirl go to the movies, and I love it. And she's. I know nothing about her past history as Robin or a spoiler, mm. but it's all laid out here. I came to this cold and was brought up to speed, even though you dropped in the middle of a story. Yeah. Within pages, you're introduced to her supporting cast and her mom. We get tons of Oracle, which always 
pleases me no end, which is why I picked this up today to read. You know, her mom is her Commissioner Gordon, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in, in essence, there's someone holding on, and she's feisty and wonderful and hugely funny. Her interactions with Damien. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. <laughs> and and <laughs> at the same scabber. time, yeah, uh, respect your elders, he tells her. You're only 10. I should respect you, you little twerp. <laughs> at the same time, at this point, it's Dick Grayson as Batman. Mm, yeah. So we have these conversations in the Batcave mm. between Dick and Barbara, which are being echoed by Damien and, and Stephanie mm. over in the corner. This is just amazing. I certainly hope they, as you were saying before, Bobby, that we're hoping with her reintroduction they'll start to reprint these because this, I mean, I bought this for about a quarter of what this actually sells for. Apparently yeah. at this point, these yeah. have gone mm-hmm. through the roof. Yeah. And so far, no one at the convention, I looked mm. all over the place, figuring if I'm going to find some bad girl trades, it'll be here. No. Nope. Yeah. It's tough. It took me forever to collect all the single issues mm. of the Stephanie Brown run. I did it. And it was amazing, but it took some doing. I mm. had to go to all different sources. Yeah. Some um, dark alleys. <laughs> this is like amazing. I, they should have put it in the very first issue of the Stephanie Brown um, Batgirl run, but I think it's like issue 17 or 18 okay. of the series. And it opens up with this fantastic animated, um, like Stephanie Brown, like I think is drawing it, you know, and she's kind of um, getting somebody up to date. Mm-hmm. With the Bat World, and she's basically like, and this is happening, and Batman's dead, and now Dick's Batman, and like, but like each panel is like her like explaining things, and like Batman's like shot or something, like you know, like he's like bleeding, and she's like, like you know, X's over the eyes, and they're like little stick figures and stuff. But it's actually it's hilarious, but it's also this really great guide to everything that's happened up until this point, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and it's it's so funny, and I seriously recommend just kind of. Reading through it, if you haven't read the Batgirl series yet and kind of want to know what's going on, it's on the internet and you can find it kind of mm. be like, this is like the prequel to what's going on. And it's <laughs> well, awesome. I'm going to have to get those. I just opened up a page here that I, I, I meant to highlight. She has her first big supervillain battle with the Scarecrow and he's winning. Mm. Barbara's given her some anti-fear gas toxin that's supposed to help her and it doesn't. She sees... Her past incarnation, she's worried about her mom who's always getting ready to find her because mm-hmm. she doesn't do her homework. And she perseveres. She just keeps on going mm-hmm. and going until she finally just kicks the living snot out of him. Yeah. And it is just amazing. So I want to thank you, Stephanie. I would not have ever picked this up if it wasn't for you chatting about this book so much. Aww. I'm so glad you liked it. I like, I mean, Oracle especially, like, even if you didn't like it for the Stephanie Brown stuff, there's so much Oracle in it. I feel like it's almost just as much her story as it is Stephanie Brown's story, and especially as it progresses. Mm. I'll be looking for more. Awesome. That's um, one of my favorite issues of Batman Inc. Uh, and then that first original run is an issue with her undercover at like an evil, like a boarding school for supervillains. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite yeah. issues of that series because she's, she's great in that issue. Um, is that it for you, Bob? That's it for me. All right, so really quick, I don't have too much. We've talked about most of that stuff. Um, mentioned Damien before. Damien, son of Batman. Uh, it's written and drawn by Andy Kubert. Mm. Um, the best thing I can say about Andy Kubert as a writer is he's a really great artist. You know, oh. uh, it's uh. just not good. The book is not oh, well God. written. It's really, really bad. Um, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> did you read it, Stephanie? 
so bad. I was like, why? What? Why? Yeah. Why? Uh, see, that's why I didn't pick it up. That's what I was afraid of after that Joker one shot. Yeah. It's. Oh my god. It... Oh, that's he did that one. Yeah. Right? Oh, Oof. that's too bad. Um, Great art. I'm looking at it. Oh my god, yeah. the art is gorgeous, and that's that's the part about it that's so sad, is because I could I could. It's you know. I almost bought it because of the so art. I was looking at the fish, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. oh, it looks so funny. Yeah. So if you're illiterate, you can enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely. But I mean, it's you know, it's gorgeous art. I love Andy Kubert's art, and I love the way he, you know, he did some time with work on Batman before, and uh, but it's not good. I mean, I love Damien, but it's just not a, it's so not you, a good book. You won't be picking up the rest of no, it. No, I will not. Oh. Um, Ooh, as much as you love Damien, as much as I love Damien, I will not be picking it up because it's not like reading Damien. You know, uh, it, it's it, he tries to make him snarky and, and snotty, but he just he comes off. He sounds like an idiot. He sounds like a meathead. That's what he ends up sounding like. Um, it was not good. Uh, you sound like yeah. me when I read Joker's daughter. Yeah, she sounded like she was, was ten a, years old. Yeah, I wasn't gonna bring it up because like I kind of just wanted to talk about good things. But yeah. yeah, no, it was. I read that and was like, I wish I could forget that I read this. Yeah. It's it's a shame. It's, 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 it's a real shame because it's the only thing with Damien we have going right now. Um, and I just want to mention, uh, I mentioned, uh, I believe it was Fall of House of Usher was the last yes. time I talked about this. But Richard Corbin, uh, another uh, Edgar Allan Poe book came out is for Halloween. It's The Raven and the Red Death. And it's two stories. It's one based on Poe's The Raven and one uh, based on The Mask of the Red Death. And um, very similar to the last time, you know, it uses a narrator and it, it changes up the stories in, in certain ways. Um, the Raven, especially it, it you know, it, it attributes uh, more dialogue. It doesn't just use the, the, the verse, the, the poetry, mm-hmm. it makes kind of a story out of it and it, it creates symbology for what the Raven actually is, you know, in, in his interpretation of it, which is haunting and beautiful and, and scary. And the Mask of the Red Death, it also gives you, unlike that story, which is basically like, you know, people are at a party, they're really scared of this thing, the thing they're really scared of shows up and they all bite it. It gives you some backstory <laughs> about where the, this, this, may, this may have come from. Um, if you, like, something last time, if you like Poe, um, it's something you should definitely pick up. It, it's, it, it's enough of a variation where it, even if you, if you know those stories, you'll love it. But you also will not be feel like you're just rereading those stories again w- with pictures now. Um, but they are Richard Corbin pictures. So oh yeah, which worth are gorgeous. The price of admission. Yeah, it, it's beautiful, you know. And again, it, I think we said this a few times uh, tonight. This is not stuff you see in normal comics now. It's different, right? Um, which I like is the awesome. Big noses and very disgusting at times. <laughs> Those um, are cool. Like I've I've wanted I wanted to buy the last one, the House yeah. of Usher, and I did want to pick this one up, but I'm just I'm always on the fence with them. Mm-hmm. But you've always come back saying that they're very good. They are very very good. Um, hmm. So I really recommend anybody p- pick them up if they're a fan of any, of you know horror, or the macabre, or or Edgar Allan Poe or Richard Corbin. Uh, really really great stuff and stuff you should be uh, checking out. Um, so that's gonna do it for our book of the week segment. Um, we're going to take a little break, and we're going to come right back uh, with um, Melissa Megan, Sean Lamont, and we're going to discuss the Sandman Overture. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him two lips like roses and clover. Bum, bum, bum. Then tell him that his 
All right, we are back, and we're here to talk about the Sandman Overture, the long-awaited return of the Neil Gaiman classic series um, from Vertigo. Um, you know, this is the first issue since, I believe, 1996, uh, and it ran from 1989 to 1996, and it's been gone since Gaiman stopped writing it because it was in his contract that once that the series couldn't continue uh, once mm. he was done with it. Um, so... We all have, I think, varying knowledges of the series and of Mr. Gaiman himself, um, obviously. Um, so, and I think a lot of people are bringing that same thing to, to this book. So th- this past week on the site, we had two reviews of the book go up. Um, one by uh, Melissa, Me- M- Melissa, Melissa <laughs> Megan, uh, who is a longtime reader of the series, and one by Sean Lamont, who is a complete newbie to the series. And uh, Melissa and Sean are joining us right now to talk about Sandman. So hello, Melissa and Sean. Hi. Hello. So guys, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. So let's start, let's start with uh, Melissa, because you're the one who's, you've read the entire series. Um, what was your excitement level for this issue? It was nine. <laughs> it was, I was very excited. Super excited. I mean, it's been like, you know, what, 20, 25 years? Mm-hmm. It's a pretty old series. So, um, yeah, I was super excited. I, I was kind of a little bit, you know, it's one of those things that, like, when you first hear about it, you're not really sure if it's just a rumor or if it's actually going to happen. Um, so, and this is, The Sandman is one of the first comics that I ever read. So it's definitely near and dear to my heart. And um, how did it? Uh, how did it live up to those expectations for you? Definitely lived up to my expectations. It's. Um, I think I said something like this in my review, but kind of just like, kind of like when you hook up with an old friend that you grew up with, you know, and it's like nothing ever changed. Mm-hmm. It's just right back into the groove, you know. It's just it feels exactly like it did when I read it. I don't know. Probably I think I was twenty or something when I read it the mm-hmm. first time. Cool. So. Awesome. Um, and, and Sean, as the, as the person who read it for us with, with no knowledge of the series, what kind of expectations did you go into with it? A uh, big story. Everything I had heard about it was that the, the storyline was to die for. Everyone loved it. It was just uh, regaled as this uh, classic, I guess you could say. I, it, can something be classic in 25 years? But Yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay, well then, it was definitely a classic as, as people would describe it to me. So I had a uh, a lot of high hopes going into it, uh, especially being the guy coming in blind. And uh, so as the person coming in blind um, I, I, and re- reviewing it, did you try to kind of shut off like any prior knowledge, any kind of attempts in your brain to think that you were missing something w- while you were reading it? I mean, how'd you go about reviewing it? Uh, honestly, it, it's pretty easy for me because I am a horde when it comes to knowledge. If, if there's a storyline that I want to take part in, whether it's a TV show, book, comic, whatever... I will literally shut down whenever anyone else is talking about it. I don't seek out spoilers. I don't even watch trailers for movies, mm. so I can just walk into a movie blind as well. So it was literally walking in, uh, as we'll probably discuss later, and as I put in my written review, I didn't even know who the main character was walking into this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let me, let, let's kind of let's start out with that with you, because I think it's going to lead into the rest of our kind of uh, opinions and our uh, feelings about the book. Um, what was that like for you going in completely blind, not even knowing the main character was, and how did you enjoy the book um, out of that? Well, as Melissa said, it was uh, she compared it to an old friend meeting up with it. For me, it was like a mutual friend of a friend. So I was there with my friend, and he met his old friend, and they were like, 
telling stories to one another and I was just kind of like, ha, ah, yeah, nodding my head. I don't quite know what you're talking about because I wasn't there. But it has enough in it as far as the characters themselves and the story that's happening that it's almost being presented like a mystery. I don't know if they're going to run with that where it, it will build up over time since we just had the one issue. The first issue, this one right here, it, it smacked me down. I will be uh, blatantly honest. The first time I read it, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, I didn't know who the main character was. I don't know if the main character is a good guy, even even after rereading the first issue three, four, five times now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it it's a uh, it's a little bit of a mixed bag for me. I'm I'm hopeful, as I said, if they present it as a mystery and they keep it's supposed to draw you in, like uh, those, these things that you don't know are supposed to pull you in more. So you're like, ooh, what is this? What's happening? And they continue that storytelling method. I think it will uh, increase my entertainment quite a bit but otherwise this first one it kind of felt like it was written for people who at least have a passing idea of who these characters are mm, interesting so uh, let's pass that right over to, to bob from there because bob is pretty much in the same boat as you right you've never read any uh, uh, sandman none um so ha- after having read this first issue wh- what did you take from it well all i had going in was some vague idea of what it was about and some of the images from years past mm-hmm And as Sean said, I looked at this as a mystery. I had to go in this completely cold and let the story be told to me and not try to play Columbo and guess and just let it wash over me. I found layers that I wasn't expecting, and I don't know who's who yet, which Mm -hmm. is great. But for those who have read it, those layers may be different and better or Mm -hmm. different or worse. Or Who who can even say? I I come at this with nothing. It is beautifully, beautifully written. Mm-hmm. This is a novel put into this form. Mm-hmm. To me, there's just passages that absolutely sing. The artwork is incredible. It manages to create movement within the page as we swirl around into things as a mm-hmm. four-page spread that I couldn't figure out how to read until you told me. <laughs> I I really enjoyed it. I We'll probably not go month to month to this because I will be driven insane trying it that way. But I think I this is something I would have to own as a trade. And this may end up costing me a lot of money because I have the funny feeling that once <laughs> once I buy one trade of this, I'm going to have to go backwards into one of these gigantic absolute... Right. You know, it might as well have legs on it. It's so big. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and before we move on to the rest of us, who obviously are going to talk about our experiences, Melissa, as someone who's read the series, is do you think this mini series is going to lead um, directly into the beginning of, of Gaiman's first Sandman story? Uh, I hope so. I mean, that's kind of the point, right? Is to tell that story that right. people have been wondering about for so long. What? How did? How did they capture the Sandman to begin with? Right. Um, you guys kind of. I mean, something that I wanted to say about Neil Gaiman. You guys, what your comments were, kind of blew the head of the water a little bit. But I feel like one of his strengths is being able to tell a really complex story in a very relatable way. Mm-hmm. Um. But this is definitely a huge challenge because the Sandman is incredibly complex. I, you know, I was watching the uh, Coffee and Comics mm-hmm. from you and Mara talking about this too, and um, it's definitely true. It's not something that you can pick up casually and kind of speed through it and read it. Um, so I, it disappoints me a little bit to hear that you know that the the new readers were a little bit lost with it because mm-hmm. I really want it to be able to. Um, I want people to be able to relate to it who don't know the story yet. 
Right, right. I mean, and I think that for me, I, I, I most people has like a, I read the first trade um, a, a while ago, so I have a passing understanding of who all these people are, some, some sort of who they are. Like I know, uh, I, I kind of know where this story is leading since I've read that first, that first, that first story. But that being said, I read it a long time ago, and I, I don't really, I haven't kept up with it, so I don't have all that. Um, knowledge in my head um i think a lot of the problem with new readers is not necessarily listen the writing is dense and 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 it's it's mysterious and, and obscure in some points but i feel like if this was the something number one that didn't have all of this um kind of meta context to it maybe people would be a little bit easier on themselves reading it not necessarily easier on the book but i feel like sometimes as especially as fans of this medium and fans of storytelling like this when we read stuff, I think it's probably a lot of people have picking up a book in a series they don't know at all. Like if you pick up X Men number thirty five, you know your brain is saying to your saying to you, you don't know this means something. You don't know what it means, you know. And so right. you're you're constantly struggling to catch up. And sometimes I feel like we do it to ourselves. You know, we we make ourselves feel like we're lost when mm-hmm. really maybe the story is just there to be discovered as it is. You know, and maybe you get a little bit more out of it if you know all of it. But maybe mm. if we didn't put that own that self pressure on ourselves, we would have an easier time with it. Well, that's why I think to yeah. me, reading it as five issues or six or yeah. whatever it is, as a lump, as a complete graphic novel, in it will reveal so much more to me mm-hmm. than this did. It. Well, I will say though, reading it, I want to read more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As soon as I closed and, it, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should go buy the other yeah. ones. You know, that's the first thing I thought about what? when I finished reading it. Um, One of the huge strengths, I think, in this in this particular series is that there's so many incredibly interesting characters. Mm-hmm. So even if you're a little bit lost in the first, you know, I think the the n- amount of people that were introduced in this issue, and how crazy and weird each of these individual characters are, mm-hmm. it a lot of people just are not going to be able to help wanting to know more. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Am now, I allowed? Yes. Steve. What's your experience with Sandman, and what do you think of this first issue of Sandman Overture? Well, my experience with Sandman is, I think, back in the early 2000s, when I was first attending college, uh, my first college anyway, was when I found uh, the trade for Sandman, first one. I read it, and I mean, I thought it was wonderful. That was during my whole, you know, Neil Gaiman is God <laughs> uh, phase, where I just... I. I mean, I, I, I knew his writing before then, but I went on, I went berserk that where I just, I read every book that he had and, uh, I wasn't reading comics all too much, but knew about the Sandman series and decided to check it out. And it was just like nothing that I had ever read before in a comic book. Um, I'm glad to say that Sandman Overture number one, it captures that same like enigmatic uh, presence of Dream himself. Mm-hmm. That he just Gaiman has a way of writing worlds and and characters, and the way that he writes pulls you in almost like a like a fantasy poetry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think one of the one of the hard things for Sandman Overture is. You already know that there are how many volumes of ten, the se- like I ten, yeah, there's ten, ten volumes yeah. of the series. So you know that all this stuff, all this crazy stuff, happens later. That I'm trying to see if I can find little snippets and pieces of, or like the seeds of something that will grow into something bigger 
you know, like what you were saying, that people mm -hmm. are already trying to piece, you know, the puzzle together. And you really don't need to, mm -hmm. you know, just let it be what it is. Yeah. Um, the art is magnificent. Every page is gorgeous and and just v varying feels to the artwork as well. I mean, it's colorful as all get out, but then there are also these black and white pages that create such a different tone and almost like a, a different world mm -hmm. when when these two characters are having this conversation within the within this black and white world or realm and then it switches over into all these colors and all these cosmic things and i mean that's neil gaiman that's what he does is mm -hmm. he he writes these tremendous stories with these tremendous characters um i mean i the same i had the same problem with sandman where i read the first trade i loved it but then looked into how much of it there was and then I said to myself, oh, well, I'll just buy the absolute Sandmans. Mm -hmm. And then before I could buy that, there was two volumes of them, not one. Mm -hmm. So those were like 100 bucks a piece. So yeah. that was out. And then after I'd forgotten about it, they announced the collection with all the trades. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to get that. I didn't get that either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I doubt very, very, very much that I'm going to be able to wait until this is over to get my hands on, on that set. That mm -hmm. might be uh, that might be calling in a couple of Christmas favors kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I'm uh, overall. I mean, I'll I'll get into some other stuff later, but I mean, I'm super excited to be reading it. I'm happy that it's finally here. I'm happy that it's on the shelves in general because mm -hmm. of the the creative team that's behind this book between JH and Neil Gaiman. I mean, with Neil Gaiman alone, you're getting a totally different crowd. There'll be people that don't read comic books mm -hmm. that will come to this book because it's him. Mm. And then they'll see the art by JH and not to say that every artist could measure up to him. I mean, mm. there are plenty of amazing artists, but when people read this book and they read Neil Gaiman's words and they see JH's art and realize just how magnificent a story within a comic book could be, it might turn them on to other series. Mm -hmm. And we might even see a boost in uh, vertigo books after this mm -hmm. because of a all the things that they promote within yeah. the issue which we'll get to later we'll get to that <laughs> and um just that there are you know this company is willing to get creators like this to put out a project like this what else might they have mm -hmm. so yeah. i mean it's 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 off to a great start absolutely um stephanie what about you um so I'm kind of in the same boat as Sean, where I haven't really read a lot of Sandman. Um, I've read probably the first two trades of it. I've had it for, like, ever. All of it. But it's sometimes one of those things where, like, I'm constantly acquiring new books. You know, I have, like, a... I have books that I will never get around to reading in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And yet, like, I still buy books. Mm -hmm. and same with comics. You know, like, I, I have that need to have things on my shelf. Um... So I've had them for a while, but I've only gone to, I think, maybe the second one, maybe the third one. Um, so Overture was something that I was excited for because I'm a fan of Neil Gaiman's work and obviously like a really big fan of J.H. Williams' his art. Like, whoa. Mm -hmm. For me, either one of those people, you know, is somebody who I would follow to just about any book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, bringing them together again, these are all things you guys have touched on already kind of, yeah, but, uh, it's, it's just such a phenomenal creative team that there was no way I couldn't check this out. Um, I got to it this week with like my massive catch up of everything mm -hmm. and, you know, not having a ton 
of background on the, you know, the original series, um, I knew enough from the first two volumes to know what was kind of happening and what was going on in some of the characters. Um, and I enjoyed it. I mean, the colors, even if you don't even read it, if you're just looking at it, it's a marvel. It's like mm-hmm. art porn. <laughs> <laughs> It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the things that you see, I mean, every now and again, I get in these modes where you kind of just stare at art. And, like, I think I've mentioned this before, and, like, I'm not implying that Jage Williams has anything wrong with them, but, like, you know, they we've mentioned, I think, in the past that, like, some of the detail levels that the art gets into is kind of, like, sort of, like, autism-ish. Like, or autism, um, not autism or is it autism? I don't know. Where like just like um, it's a different level. Like it's a different plane of mm-hmm. seeing the world. It can only be and, autism. Yeah. Pardon? I think it, yeah yeah yes Stephanie. I'm trying to think of. There's another thing that I another word that I'm trying to think of, and I know it starts with A, but <laughs> I know it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, like it's just a different level of seeing the world that the rest of us don't see it in, mm-hmm. and. It's incredible. It's beautiful. I mean, and so many people still, you know, kind of turn their noses up at comic books and think that it's not an art form. And I don't know how anyone who opened up opened up this book could ever say anything, you know, other than it's art. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, one of the great things I, I mean, J.H. Williams' art is gorgeous. And but one of the things I think functionally that's so good about it in this context is that it forces you to read the book at a slower pace. It's not traditionally laid out. You can't speed through it. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't assume that you have to look in every corner and every nook and cranny, you, you know, every swirl and every border could be a line of dialogue or could be an important plot point. So you're never, you're never mm-hmm. in a comfort zone where you can just speed through and miss the language that's, that's being given to you by Gaiman. Yeah. And absolutely. I really thought that was kind of a bold choice too, because mm-hmm. you would think with uh, Gaiman's, uh, notoriety even for telling a complex story the obvious go-to would be a very simplistic layout maybe not even simplistic but just uh for casual storytelling to try to counterbalance his complex mm. ways but no way. he really just kind of went all out in the opposite direction and yeah. i thought it was uh wonderful because of it yeah absolutely mm. steve um yeah i mean i i read the i read the book twice and it took my second read to realize i think it's about two pages in that it's two pages together where it's teeth it's just it's a huge mouth mm. it's a set of teeth yeah and each tooth is a different panel mm. i didn't even realize that yeah. the first time mm-hmm. and then i realized that it's part of the character yeah and what they were i guess foreshadowing even through the art of mm. what you what was going to be revealed to you yeah. within the next couple of pages yeah and uh like i was, I was sitting reading it and i'm <laughs> looking and i'm like oh shit Look at that. Yeah. And there's there's always something new to look at in this mm-hmm. book. I mean, like I said, I only read it twice because mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to walk away from it a little bit. But mm-hmm. when I come back to it, I guarantee you I'll see other stuff. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, and we, I'll just read a couple of the, the listener responses and then we'll kind of get into more conversation between ourselves. But um, Kevin, Joe's, I- sorry, Melissa, what'd you say? Sorry. Can I just add something that is absolutely. Um, about yeah. the art, what you guys are talking about here? Absolutely. Um, I think they couldn't have gone any other way because part of the um, the, the real guts of the original Sandman series is that there were so many different artists involved and the art itself was as much uh, of a, you know, 
it was as much of an experience as the story. Mm -hmm. And so I think if they had gone with a more simplistic art, it wouldn't feel the same. It just wouldn't feel like the Sandman. Right. You know, in the, in the original series, if you go through, if you eventually make your way through the whole thing, you'll see there's so many different interpretations of it artistically that you're just constantly on this kind of roller coaster of like everything changing. And even, even the Sandman himself, he changes from issue to issue and he looks mm -hmm. different according to which artist is interpreting him. So I think that J.H. Williams did a fantastic job in this one issue of kind of encompassing all those different styles and, you know, holding up that feeling of that, you know, what you're seeing, the visual side of it can change at any point in time mm -hmm. and doing that by himself. I think he did a great job and it had to be that way if it was going to be, you know, the Sandman. Absolutely. Um, so from Kevin Joseph, he says, one of my two, about Sandman, one of my two favorite series ever, Overture was very satisfying. Art was stupefying, gorgeous. Ads angered me, though. Uh, there was way too many, and they disturbed the flow. Um, and, you know, this is obviously, this is a, we're talking about an amazing book here, and, and I, don't, I don't think that the ads take away from the story or, or the, the book at all. I just want to know, because we had a couple of listeners r r write into us about having issues with how many ads were in the book, and more than the amount, their placement. Um, I don't know, Bob, picking it up, did they, did they bother you at all? A little bit. I would have preferred them all in a lump at the end mm -hmm. just to let the story go for what it was, particularly as the page placements were so important mm -hmm. as, as we went from mood to mood and whatever. I'm sure they tried very hard to make sure the ads came between transitions. Right. But still pulling open an ad for Promethea or something yeah. in the middle of reading you know, a, a lovely lyrical passage struck me as a bit odd. I know why they did it. It yeah. got more eyes on the ads mm. than putting them at the end. Yeah. That said, not so not so good. And they're all house ads, which is interesting. They're all yes. Vertigo ads. So, I mean, it's good. They Obviously, they, like Steve was saying, it's the opportunity for them to get more people reading their books. Um, so, uh, Stephanie, wh what did you think about the placement of the ads? Did the, or did you read it digitally? Because then there wouldn't I be any ads. I was just actually about to say, I yeah. didn't know that this was an issue yeah. because I didn't have that issue. <laughs> Yeah. So, hey y'all, here's the plus the digital. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but like, you know, it's one of those things where um for the last few months and like we've all been guilty of this, you know, where it's like Vertigo's dying, Vertigo's dying. Mm. Everyone's like in this panic, so Vertigo's doing this, doing this. All right, so Stephanie broke the internet, um but we're back. Uh, <laughs> it's usually when I talk about Fantastic Four too. I know. Um, now it's cuz you were talking about Vertigo for some reason, but uh yeah. So, I've been edited. Yes, you've been edited. <laughs> um, Vertigo, DC Entertainment yeah, has control her of our podcast. We control transmission. Yeah. You can't um, control me. I'm in Canada. <laughs> so uh, you were saying about the, the ads um, in the book, Stephanie. Yeah, I think it's a lot of... Um, this is the book for them right now. You know, mm -hmm. It's something that everybody's going to pick up. And the ads, even though it's annoying, and I mean, I don't condone that mm. like you know i think it should be at the beginning or the end or if there's like some sort of transition in the middle like you know part one part two but i mean vertigo i think is really and dc you know because they're vertigo or vertigo is dc rather um you know they're really trying to make sure that people know that there's more stuff and you know it's not dying <laughs> um mm -hmm. uh, yeah. um <laughs> No, that's that's totally um, understandable. Um, 
And I don't think it's so much the ads themselves as as the placement and kind of the, the style of the ads because a, a bunch of them were a lot of text, you know, and, and kind of very distracting. Not just like because a couple of them, like the hinter the hinter kind and the coffin hill one are are very nice. You know, they're just nice images, so it's not that big of a deal. But I feel like the big blocks of text and stuff are the things that kind of throw people off. Right. Yeah. Here are six covers of old trade paperbacks you should buy aligned on one side of the paper. And yeah. Then three other images on the other with words. Yeah. Which everywhere. I think that's where it becomes an issue just because whenever you the, you see uh, text like that, part of me goes, oh, it, my, you know, initially my, my, my mind goes, is this part of the issue? You know, and I, I start reading it, especially an issue like this where everything is so differently laid out it's not traditional just word bubble word bubble word bubble so i'm like okay this text this is probably part of the issue and i start reading i'm like oh no it's an ad for dead boy detectives which is cool but you know i'd rather it be placed somewhere else steve yeah i mean one thing that i will actually i have a couple of things to say about it, not just one but we all we when we were giving our overviews of the book one thing that we all had in common was that we were all saying how entrenched everybody became in the story mm-hmm. and in the narrative mm-hmm. and in the atmosphere and the characters and stuff like that for me, the, I mean, this was like, this was a treat, like mm. sitting down with this book and it had finally come out. It had been teased for a long time to be sitting there and getting into it. And as involved as the story is, as involved as the world and the characters are to every couple of pages, all of a sudden just break up that mood mm-hmm. and have those giant, I mean, huge full page ads mm just right smack in the middle of a moment. And it, it wasn't even like a transition. It was yeah. just right in the middle of something. Mm-hmm. It like, jarred me and took me out of the story mm-hmm. for, for even briefly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the story and the quality of it overpowers the ads. I'm mm-hmm. just saying to be in that mode and to be like hunkered down and really into it. And then all of a sudden coffin Hill mm-hmm. and, you know, fables and, and whatever, mm-hmm. Um, but my other thing about it is, and I want to preface this really quick. The book was four ninety nine. Mm. I've paid five dollars for books that were of a much much lesser quality than this. This yeah. is absolutely you get your five dollars worth and then some in quality of story and art and and everything about it. But they do say on the corner that it's an extra sized issue. Mm. And aside from the, there's a fold out section at one point. But beyond that, I I kind of felt like that extra size went to the ad space, mm-hmm. and that I paid at least a dollar for them to promote other books to me. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I understand. I get it. Like I completely, one hundred percent, from a business standpoint, this is the probably the biggest book of the year. This is the time and the place that if you want to push your other your other books and your other properties, this is where you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I just would have much preferred if they were in the back. And I know that them being in the back, that you could just bypass them entirely. Mm. But for something like when you were reading Neil Gaiman, you want that flow and you want that that immersion. And I just I felt like a yo-yo being pulled back and forth in and out of of that mood. Mm. Um, That is my only, only little teeny tiny Mm -hmm. microscopic gripe about the book. Yeah, I... And I think it's a testament to to the quality of the book and to um, what you may what I perceive in some ways as like an elevated nature to the book that it even bothers us, right? Because when you read every single Marvel book, there's an ad every two pages. Mm-hmm. But when you're reading a Spider-Man story, as much as I love Superior Spider-Man, Dan Slott, all that stuff, 
it doesn't bother you as much because you feel like you're reading pop entertainment. So you kind of expect there to be commercials. Right. It's like watching yeah. a TV show. You know what I mean? And this, you feel like you're reading a novel, like Bob said, and it's weird to see ads. I mean, Melissa, did you read it um, physically or digitally? I read it on my Kindle. Okay. So you didn't, you don't, you didn't have to worry about ads either. Nope. Not okay. a single one. So th- obviously the other three have, it, have, have figured out the, uh, the yeah. secret sauce to not having to be upset by this. See, you're reading a page here that might take you 10 minutes to get through the page. Yeah, it's true. And then there's this ridiculous ad in the middle of it. Mm. Now, I understand, just as Steve's saying, it's a business thing. This, for Vertigo, is the Super Bowl. Yeah. You've got to put your best ads mm-hmm. here, and they have to be seen by as many people as possible. So we throw it in the middle. Mm. So maybe this is the ad for the DC digital service or yeah, comicology exactly. or something. They should have had one of those too. Not to mention, I mean, just going to Barnes and Nobles, there was actual bookend stands with this title there. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, they wow. are really, this is, this is what's going to get everyone's eyes on it, period. I know everyone's already said that, but yeah. it's a, this, this is it. This no. is what they have to do at this point. And I'm the worst person when it comes to these ads anyway, because they might as well be blank pages. I just turn them. I don't even look at them mm-hmm. anymore. So right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's it's a, it, it's a bigger issue. I think it depends on the person how how much you reacted to it. But it's something that a lot of people brought up, so I knew we had to talk about it. Um, Matthew Maybe they Co- should sell an exacto knife with it. Yeah, <laughs> slice Matthew- out the head page. <laughs> uh, Matthew Cooper uh, on Twitter said, um, "New Sandman reader, and I loved it. Currently downloading as much as I can afford on Comicsology. Great story and beautiful art." Um, we had, uh, let's see here. Um, so uh, we had Dan Sims um, on uh, Facebook says, I've been reading Gaiman and Sandman for years. I've always loved the depth of characters and storylines, but I've had problems with much of the art, usually due to the coloring. That said, J.H. Was drawn, has drawn one of the best-looking comics, not just Sandman, I've read. The two-page spread with the panels and the teeth of the Corinthian is absolutely unbelievable. You can feel the two creators really challenging themselves and paying off each other's creativity. Um, he says, sorry for the lengthy post. Use as much or as little as you want. <laughs> we will use it all, Dan and uh, John Andrew. <laughs> oh, but it also should be noted that JH didn't color it. Yes, that's true. He did not. Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart is the colorist on the book. Um, good call, Stephanie. I broke again. It's true. Everything breaks from Stephanie. We had another glitch. Um, so, uh, but I don't want to m- miss uh, John's statement. He said, "I think new readers to the series may be missing out on some subtleties and characters, but it's going, but it's not going to feel completely foreign. The art is insane." Um, so thank you guys for writing in and letting us know your feelings um, on uh, the Sandman Overture. Um, Bob, did you know that when Gaiman originally was going to do the Sandman, grab a pitch that he had done to do a original Sandman comic, the, the Jack Kirby really? Sandman? Yeah. Um, well, actually, Kirby's is the second Sandman. Oh, okay. I think it's Erwin Hazen. All right. I think oh, first goodness. Kirby redid it. He was a guy in a gas mask first. <laughs> Uh, Kirby changed him into sort of a superhero in a purple and gold outfit mm. with a little sidekick, Sandy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then after he, he made just the... just outdid you, knowed you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then after the, the pitch, they came back later and said, we, we want you to do Sandman, but with a catch, we want to do a new one. So it wasn't even huh? his initial idea to make it a different character. It was Karen Berger at Vertigo's yeah. idea. No, the original one does show up from now and again, you were telling me. Well, no, no, that's just the way he looks. That's like oh. his style sometimes. I think that's a holdover from the, the past oh, okay. uh, the past Sandman. Yeah. Um, so I want to go around and kind of get closing thoughts uh, on the book, if anybody has anything they want to say. I mean, Melissa, you mean anything else you want to say about the Sandman overture? Um, well, you guys were talking a lot about that kind of double page with the teeth mm-hmm. um, of the Corinthian. 
And I definitely, I was, I was, I kind of like jumped up and down in my head and said, yay, when the Corinthian <laughs> showed up in the first issue, because he's one of the coolest, coolest characters in the Sandman. Um, he's terrifying and just ridiculously just terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's terrible. But also on page 14, I don't know if you guys have the book in front of you, mm -hmm. um, is another cool little trick that he did in there. He actually spelled out the name Morpheus um, on that spread where Morpheus is being called. Interesting. He's, he's being pulled away. And if you look closely at it, you can see each of the panels are spelling out the letters in the word in the in his name, in hmm. Morpheus. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, another cool that's thing. really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. That's one of the things. Just such genius panel design. Um, you know, different ways of reading that we don't we don't usually see. Um, that's crazy. yeah. No, I'm super excited and I can't wait to read more of it. And it, it's um, I'm not I'm not gonna say that I'm a 100% Neil Gaiman fangirl. I love some of his stuff, but <clears throat> I'm not. I don't read everything that he does. Um, but this one is uh, you know, this is a definite like top winner for me. This I think this was I think he he hit it out of the ballpark in this one. Um, do you think it's going to all get done on time? <laughs> on time? Um, I think so. I mean, Neil Gaiman is a pretty, he's kind of a, uh, what about I'm trying to say? He's a bit of an overachiever, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he's mm -hmm. I mean, he's kind of have his hands in a lot of different places and he doesn't, he doesn't have a reputation for being, as far as I know, for being somebody who doesn't pull through. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I know in the past some of the Sandman stuff took a while to to get in. They used to talk about like waiting weeks and months for p pages to come faxed well, in at Vertigo. That was ongoing at the time, right? Yeah, no, and I this know. This is a limited. So, no, I, I mean, yeah. I suspect well, it's already almost completely done. Plus, isn't it bi-monthly as well? This one. Oh, is it really? Right. I know it's bi-monthly. Yeah, it is. Oh wow. It's, I think it's bi-monthly. <laughs> That definitely says to me I'm buying the trade. Yeah. Two months in between. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. The original series, too, they had a lot of hiccups with artists. They mm -hmm. had artists that were coming and going a lot. So I don't think that was completely right. Neil Gaiman's fault. Yeah. I'm sure it wasn't. But so we're not going to have another issue until December. <laughs> that's, that's correct. That's correct. Oh. So you have plenty of time to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I have plenty of time to read the other series. Yeah. Read it some more. Exactly. Read it a few times. <laughs> exactly. Um, Sean, some closing thoughts on the book. Uh, my major things were were just basically the the characters. I'm, I'm really hoping. I'm praying because uh, I am a big uh, Neil Gaiman fan. I am. I read my copy of Good Omens that he wrote with uh, Terry Pratchett like once every two years, just Hell because yeah. I love his storytelling. And it, I just pray that he is actually going to continue making it a mystery so that the next issue I read, it will just be a little bit more thrown at me, just a little bit, because mm -hmm. I understand, as, as everyone's saying, it's this huge overarching thing. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to do this whole big info dump in the first issue. But at the same time, oof, it's, it's, it's going to be multiple reads before I feel comfortable, I think. Mm -hmm. Does it make you want to go read the other stuff at all, Sean? Yeah, it really, really does. That's why I asked you if I was allowed. I wasn't sure if you were going to uh, detain me from doing no, so, no, so no, you no, no. keep a stupid person writing. <laughs> no, now that we've gotten the first issue out of the way, you can absolutely go back and read the, the other ones. <laughs> you My fiance will love you right before Christmas when I drop $300 on comic books. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's what we're here for, Sean. That's what we're here for. Um, uh, Stephanie, what about you? Closing thoughts? Um, I mean, I 
two months is a long time to kind of go through, like to wait for another one. And so I feel like it's going to be one of those series that if I follow, well, you know, month to month, you know, more or less, I'll have to go back and read the last one before I go on to the next one. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those things where like, the second one will be like so much information that it'll be like, okay, hold up. <laughs> what happened again? Yeah. You know, like I feel like it's almost one of those books where, um, like Hickman's worlds, mm-hmm. you know, there's just like so much thrown at you that it would almost, well, I mean, everything reads better as a trade, but like there's certain things that read even better mm-hmm. as a trade. And I feel like this is sort of heading down that alley, but um, at the same time, it's beautiful, and I don't think I can restrain myself. <laughs> so, right. I don't know. It's really great. Absolutely. Uh, Steve, what about you? Uh, I'm depressed at the, the thought of it being <laughs> bi-monthly. I really am. Um, because really you don't have enough lesson. to buy. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's exactly what you were saying, Steph. That whole having to go back and reread. I mean, I, I can say it here on the podcast, and I can tell myself that because of the quality of the book that I won't mind going back and rereading. But once we get into like four issues in five issues in, and I feel like I need to go back, it's, it's going to be a commitment and a half Mm -hmm. to stay current with it. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, but as far as my excitement level, I know that I'll be picking it up each time that it comes out. Uh, I will also probably pick it up in, in, collection or trade Mm. when it comes out just to have it be ad free and the presentation i'm sure that the hard cover is going to be gorgeous yeah you can always swap over to digital (laughs) not gonna happen oh but you can always pick up a physical copy and get yourself a digital copy so you don't have to deal with that no in a perfect world (laughs) um but i did (laughs) i am i'm i'm like i said i'm thankful for it i'm glad it's here i'm glad that it's it's started and uh, you know what? If in hindsight, if I do have to wait two months for a Neil Gaiman and J.H. Williams comic to hit the stands, I'll be patient and I'll <laughs> wait because I it's just it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I guess it'll end maybe next year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I assume. So yeah, I mean that's gonna be that's gonna be a really 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 strong read mm-hmm. for for next year to, to sit down when it's all said and done. I think it's gonna be pretty epic. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. What a great summer read it'll be when that hardcover comes out yeah. next year somewhere. <laughs> I have to say I have no knowledge of this coming in, mm-hmm. though. I, I I should ask Melissa. There's a young lady in black and white with a parasol. Is that death? death. Yep. That's yeah. that's who we always see, but that's her 1915 that's edition. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm. That's the little bit I know about this series. Yeah. This was thrilling to read. This was absolutely gorgeous in word and image, and I am quite pleased to have been in some small way now drawn into this universe mm-hmm. that everyone's talked about for so long. Catching back up is probably never going to happen, <laughs> but you, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I feel a lot the same way you do, Bob. I mean, Neil Gaiman is one of my favorite authors, so there was kind of a foregone conclusion that I would, I would buy this book when it came out, even with my limited Sandman um, knowledge. Uh, the art with J.H. Williams obviously puts it on to another level because of how much I, I love the stuff, the work that he does. And this is obviously something that he took a long, long time working on. And um, I think one of our listeners said it best when he said, that I think it feels like their creativity is really playing off each other and challenging mm-hmm. uh, one another. Um, you know, I, I think that, the the kind of it's not even the controversy the the the, the belly aching about the ads I think is is something it's something to talk about only because it's saw people talking about the book 
And I, I think it runs close to a problem that comics have a lot of the time, which is perceived value. They have an issue where people a lot of times feel like they're being taken from, like Steve was mentioning before. Um, but I, I think it's the same thing as the analogy I go with video games as well. It's, you know, it, it, I think the it's saying exercise issues and it is, is a problem of marketing on the book, but I think that it deserves to leave that, that controversy behind and just talk about uh, what is there, which is a sumptuous, beautiful story that mm. is is something that doesn't come along that often in any media, so we should enjoy it. And like I said about when we talk about creative team changes and these problems and that problems, in, in a year, only thing anyone's going to care about is the work. Right. You know, no one's going to look back and go, oh, remember the ads in Sandman Overture number right. one? They're going to go, oh my God, this story was amazing. So if people are hearing this stuff, don't worry about it. If it bothers you, that's, I'm not saying you don't, you don't have the right to be bothered by it, but try to look past it. Um, yeah, I just want to say, for the record, I gripe about the ads, but mm. it is every bit worth the four ninety nine. Yeah, price tag. yeah. It is above and beyond that. Yeah. So if I have to pay $5 for something that has a couple of ads in it, mm. that is this amazing yeah i will gladly pay it yeah and i think the problem is this it's just this oversized issue and even if it was 4.99 didn't say anything on it nobody would have cared they would have understood <laughs> three little words because it was neil gaiman <laughs> and jh williams and it was a sand man but all that being said amazing stuff can't wait to read the second one um and am am going to spend an uh, ungodly amount of money going back and buying the old trades so i can get caught up and, and bobby do you want to go halfies i i would love to go halfies sean <laughs> we'll talk we'll talk later um so we're going to um we're going to have sean and melissa bow out and we're going to continue with the show but uh melissa why don't you tell people where they can get in touch with you um i am melissa punch on twitter and that's about it. Awesome. And you can, <laughs> of course, see um, Melissa's uh, reviews on TongueComicBooks.com. And Sean, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me at Avatar of Loki on Twitter or at my own show's webpage, uh, www.dcrpodcast.com. Awesome. Awesome. And look forward to many uh, DC reviews from Sean in the future. Much obliged. I believe we have, uh, we have Forever Evil coming out this week, right? That we do. Yeah. So it's a big one. So it's a big one. Yeah. Um, so guys, thank you so much for joining us and talking about Sandman Overture. Um, and we will see you guys in a couple minutes. going to do a couple of listener questions before we uh, head on out of here. I just did a little dance for anybody yeah. who didn't know. I, t- I, am, I got a little spirit of Stephanie. The Bobby <laughs> Shuffle. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> so, it was like a Charleston, I think. Yeah, it was a little bit like Charleston. Um, so this is from John. Uh, I'm going to say your last name wrong. Pakalemba uh, on, on Facebook. And he says... A part of Forever Evil that has been bugging the crap out of me is that we're supposed to believe a solar eclipse is blocking out all yellow sunlight from the entire planet. But the moon is nowhere near that this big to black out the entire planet. I know I'm supposed to have suspension of disbelief in comics, but has there ever been something so scientifically inaccurate in a comic that brought you out of the story? Bob. Well, I think that would. <laughs> you have to call Neil deGrasse Tyson about this one. So scientifically inaccurate... Mm-hmm. Well, 
there's so many things. Look, the invisible girl can't be invisible because you couldn't see <laughs> with invisible retinas. So, you know, the, but take me out of the story? I don't think so. Mm. I, I, I tend to be forgiving as someone who grew up with giant monster movies. I mean, I'm sorry, an ant can't be 37 feet long. It wouldn't be able to walk or breathe or anything else. So you sort of buy the premise and, and buy the flick. There are stupid plot devices that are more problematic. Mm. Mopey being the cause of the flash. Mm. Actually, now that I say that, the idea that uh, Wally West could get powers in the exact same place in the exact <laughs> same way, that's kind of a scientific impossibility. I'll go with that. Um, you know what? For me, it's funny. I can take giant leaps in logic, but it's those times... It's not so much in comics because it's tougher to see these things, but like in movies, right? So... You know, I can be a movie about aliens invading and, you know, buildings exploding, people running out of buildings just in time, and they probably would be dead if they, if they were that close to the building. But it's those times where, like, you know, their car flips over seven times and they get up and walk out of it. Oh, it's in yeah. time. Yeah, or whatever, whatever, those movies like that. Even if it's a great movie, when they do stuff like that, it always bothers me. It's in the, there's this moment in the in the dark night um, where, you know, he, he, like, Rachel gets thrown out the window Mm-hmm. Um, by the Joker, and he like dives out of the window to grab her, and he really only stops his momentum for like a second when he's diving out of this giant skyscraper, and they're completely fine. I'm like, you would be dead, and I can't get over my brain cannot mm-hmm. get over it. But that the guy's running around in a, in a bat suit doing all this crazy stuff, little stuff like that always takes me out of stories because you get so many other cheats. You can't yeah. cheat on this one on the, the stuff that's so small. I got a I got a problem with the the slow walk away from the explosion <laughs> that there isn't like some kind of shrapnel mm. or something that gets lodged in the back of their skulls mm. or the the they don't get you know propelled forward from the blast mm. or they don't shield themselves from the heat mm. like all it is is they're wearing like you know their their buttoned shirt is open and it's <laughs> whoosh all yeah. around them and you know a couple of hairs out of place mm. but they're just Walking real slow, and they're just like baron and arrow arrow. Have you ever seen that? Uh, there's a Saturday Night Live thing. I think it's uh, cool. Cool guys don't look at explosions. No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty good one. There was uh, what was that movie? Um, the Good Guys or something like that. Some there was some movie where an explosion oh. happened. Oh, with, uh, like Will Ferrell. The other yeah. guys. Uh, and they were like, "Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, what the hell? Oh, yeah. I can't hear anything. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that really hurt." Yeah, the other guys. Um, so, Stephanie, what about you? Anything so scientifically impossible that it, it takes you out of a story? Um, I can't think of anything from like comics. I think it's the same thing as you. Like, it's more movies because mm-hmm. you know, like in comics, I kind of already know that I'm going to be stretching you know stretching it mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be like oh well whatever they come and throw at me it's kind of like all right there's very few times that i'm like come on <laughs> come on guys but i mean like i think the last thing just in general that i was like really and it's a great movie so i don't mean it in a bad way and i don't want to spoil it because it's still fairly new but gravity mm-hmm. but like by the end of gravity i was just like really Sharks? We want to throw some sharks in there? How about sharks with laser beams on their head? Ooh. <laughs> in a meteor shower. It could be a new sci-fi yeah. channel movie. Like, it was just like, there was all these things where I'm like, you know, are we going to have Gravity Part 2? Like, 
Sandra's next worst day ever? I don't know. Good one, Stephanie. (laughs) Whatever. I don't know. I couldn't think of anything clever. But, you know, like, there's just things like that. Like, you've seen Gravity, I assume, Bobby. I have not seen it, no. Oh, okay. Have any of you? Nope. No. No. Okay. Well, for anyone who's actually seen it yet, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. Like, at the end of it, it's just, like, too much sometimes. Mm -hmm. Too much. Too much. It's good. It's a great movie. Like, but I think that's the last time and the only time in that I can really think of at the moment when it's just like, okay. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, Dara Harris asks a question, uh, with the new Marvel now relaunch, what second tier character or title, uh, should be relaunched? Bob, what do you think? Iron Fist would be nice. Mm-hmm. I guess he, he's second tier. Doctor mm-hmm. Strange count? Yeah, I think so. But then ah, I'll say Doctor mine. Strange too. Oh, yeah. well, Steve says Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah. That yes. was Steve's voice. He uh, did my, a Bob impression. My other one got uh, is has been answered. It was would be Miss Marvel. Oh, uh, there you go. Yay! Yay! Yeah, Doctor Strange would probably be mine that is why. I'd love to see uh, some Doctor Strange action. Maybe a, a Black Panther book would be pretty cool. That would be cool as well. Or take all the Secret Avengers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, sorry, the uh, New Avengers. I would love to see a Submariner book. Ooh. That'd be really cool. That'd be cool. Um, Stephanie, do you have one? Yeah, I think so. Um, she actually just came up in a recent series, and we talked about her. But I'd love to see a series or have her join a team. But Molly Hayes from The Runaways. Mm. I'd like her to kind of be, I mean, I think she was probably one of my favorite parts of Runaways. And she showed up at X-Men, and it fit in really well. And I could easily see her joining up. I mean, obviously, in the future she does. <laughs> but, you know, sooner rather than later, because I don't know if I'll be alive and, you know. When they get around to that. <laughs> okay. I um, plan on checking it out anytime soon. <laughs> well, it could be, it's 50 you know, years in, in the future. Book, you know. If she shows up, it's way in the future. Oh, that's get true. It? Yeah. Uh, oh, gotcha. Uh, little uh, Battle of the Atom humor there for you. Uh, <laughs> um, wow. Uh, well, uh, um, <laughs> uh, Repstones, he's Repstones on Twitter, but he's PB McAleer. McAleer? McAleer. McAleer. On Facebook, he says. Barn trick. Yeah, the answer to DR Harris is Gambit. Smiley face. Yeah. It's always Gambit. Yeah. Um, um, does he know? Does Repstones know that Gambit is going to be an X Factor? Uh, I think he does. Well, I sent him an email. I to would that assume effect. he does. Oh. Well, he asks, uh, "What do you guys make of the next X Fast X Factor team costumes?" I haven't seen the images, so no, I don't know. Me either. Times. Really, yeah, it yeah, just no. looked like regular superhero yeah. stuff. They kind of look like the old school X Men outfits mm, a little bit, yeah. um, but a little bit more trench coaty. Yeah. Um, and Leonardo uh, Nieves said in, rea- in response to Dara said uh, Generation X and Spider-Man 2099 are the, the two second tier mm. properties he'd like to see mm. uh, brought back um, uh, Chris anyone see the Generation X TV movie from years ago I've never seen I've, I know yeah. oh, I'll have to bring that over someday <laughs> for a drunken tweet party <laughs> oh boy um, Chris says know. do you think they should change the name of Comic Con to something more appropriate due to the media being featured there now um, and what would you call it what do you think Bob no it's a Comic Con <laughs> there's still look, it's a, we're talking about San Diego not I'm assuming New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been going for what 30 years at mm-hmm. this point as Comic Con it's sort of a historically important name I yeah. understand and even some of the dealers were not thrilled that they were down in the basement for the last couple of years. But this last one, uh, my friend Frank, my local store, his brother's a big Golden Age dealer. They gave him the spot by the front door. They oh, moved wow. the comic guys up front. So mm. 
he was selling books to Robert Downey and Stan <laughs> and all sorts of big time folks. So they they've mm-hmm. rectified that mistake. Yeah, they're Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, at this point, it's like it's a it's a it's a brand. Even forget about the the comic as- aspect of it at all. It's like saying, "Don't call it, you know, McDonald's anymore." Don't call it a comeback because Mc- there's nobody in the McDonald's family that works there anymore. It's just it, yeah, there you, go. you would never change it. I mean, it, it means too much. I, you can say Comic Con to anybody, and they know exactly well, what you're talking about. Except you could you. short form it to like you could leave it at, as SDCC and then just call it San Diego Celebricon. <laughs> it's a horrible name. Hollywood rules. Well, that's basically what it is. It's a horrible name, though. You know what? What was your suggestion, Bobby? Keep Shut it up, the same. Then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The same. That's that's cheating. He asked what you would change it to. No, he said, "Would you change it?" Would oh it, well. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe you At should least listen. I tried. Listening skills. Bobby, you know what? You're rude. Listening skills. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Steve, Leprechaun. what do you think? <laughs> Chaka Khan, did you call it? I could change it to that. I see. I would go with that. <laughs> right, the San Diego Chacacon. I would. I would definitely go. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change it because I, my, even though it is very much uh, film based, a lot of those films, the majority of them, are uh, based around comic book properties. Mm. I think that the there's enough comic related even though it is a little bit more on the film side that there's enough comic book related material at the San Diego Comic Con and especially at New York City Comic Con to warrant keeping the name indefinitely mm-hmm. Ooh. absolutely Ooh. putting like down that. the gavel Wa-pa. drop the mic <laughs> I can't drop the mic but Bobby would be mad <laughs> yeah no please don't drop the mic <laughs> um no, they're pretty durable mics, but still, don't please don't drop the mic. Let's um, find out. Yeah, uh, like Beekman's world or something. See what it does when it falls from the sky. You just think of Beekman world. <laughs> yeah, 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 she did. Yes. She brought it oh. home. Sidebar at the Silver Snail Party, there was both a Miss Frizzle, a Bill Nye, and a Beekman. That's three just people. saying, best party ever. Ever. <laughs> Hard to argue that. <laughs> um, Everyone. Uh, so this is from Christopher Haley. He says uh, he's he's uh, really excited about the new Captain America movie, um, and he says his fiance, who is not a comic book reader, has become a huge Cap fan from the movies. He'd like to introduce her to comics by getting her to read some Cap comics. Uh, he hasn't read a lot himself, so he doesn't know where to start. He said, "I wonder if Bob could recommend some good trades to prime up for Winter Soldier." For that specifically, you need to go through the Brubaker run. Mm, yeah. Can't go too wrong with that. Knowing that Captain America is not in those books for about a, what year and a half. Yeah, I mean the first couple of volumes though are he's are, in. He's right. in. Yeah. Then absolutely. it's after the which one was that? Now Civil I War. I remember Civil or, War yeah, Civil where War. he got killed or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It would be very wonderful for me to say you should go back and read you know Simon and Kirby's mm. books from the forties, but that's not going to help you any. Mm. It's just useless. So right. Uh, John Burns' Warren Remembrance mm-hmm. uh, with Roger Stern, certainly great little trade to go for. They've begun releasing these Steve Englehart, mm-hmm. Sal Buscema issues where you see the cap of the 50s and all that sort of stuff. Mark Grunwald did eight years of cap, really good stuff. Those are all really fine things. For this movie particularly, go Brubaker. Yeah, I will say this. I think that I read um, 
the first two uh, Brubaker uh, volumes, which I think is like Man Out of Time and then Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. I think are the first two. And without not with with not knowing a ton about Captain America, and maybe that would be fixed a little bit now because you've seen the movies and everything like that. I I found them. I mean, I loved them, but I found them slightly difficult to understand because he is Brubaker is not gentle with the Cap history. No. You know, and where he is and who he is and all these other things. So it, do you think there's, you know, one story to read that kind of will acclimate you to the character and kind of the intricacies of him a little bit um, without having to read a, t- a ton of stuff? Okay, then, not to, without going all the way back, I mean, Cap 100, which is actually the first issue of his solo title in the mm. Silver Age, is sort of a throwback. Okay. The three issues that Jim Steranko did, which is 110... 110, 111, and 113. 112 is Kirby, and it's an album issue that's his history. And they have been collected uh, as of this Duranko bit. Mm-hmm. It's Cap. It's right after he's come out of the ice, and Rick Jones is his partner, and his secret identity has been given away. Okay. And he has to reclaim his mm-hmm. throne and his, his life and so on and so forth. Engelhart and Busema. If, if we're going to go this way, mm-hmm. either get the burn one remembrance. There is an origin issue because it was the 45th anniversary of Captain America in that run. Mm-hmm. And then Cap ran for president. Oh, nice. <laughs> which tells you a lot about who Steve Rogers mm-hmm. is. So, okay, go war and remembrance. We're going that way then. Okay, war and remembrance. That go was on. the long way around. No, that. that's I'm good. sorry. Good information. He says, I also I owe Stephanie a huge thank you for turning me on to Lock and Key. The series has been around for years now, so I'm way behind the curve. But thanks to Steph constantly talking about it, I finally picked up the series and it's become one of my favorite comics I've ever read. I'm so glad. Well, yeah, it's almost, you'll be caught up by the time the final issue comes out, which at this point I'm convinced is never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I know they're done with it because they've been, Joe Hill and uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Rodriguez have been tweeting about it a, a ton, but. I'm pretty sure it's January. Are you serious? Yeah, like. I'm pretty sure because a girl I know um, <laughs> who works for a comic shop, somebody I think asked her on her like Tumblr, and I'm pretty sure she said January. That's I could crazy. be wrong, but like, outrageous. That is crazy. I know. Crazy talk. You're talking crazy. Crazy talk. Are you looking it up? I'm looking it up, but not that it's going to mean anything because they probably changed the date on it since then. Um, well, it says, <laughs> 70, it says it's supposed to be in shops 11 2013. Crazy talk. <laughs> So well, well, if that's the case, I'd be really happy because yeah. that's way better than January. That's true. Absolutely. All right. So, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to do it for uh, listener questions. Um, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com, at TalkingComics on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash TalkingComics for, for your questions. Um, Bob, I'm going to let you close out the show with, with oh, what you have to say. We do releases, too. Yeah, we do releases, and then I'll let you do your, oh, your okay, thing okay. at the end after the releases. Gotcha. I just want you to think I forgot about you because okay. Bob has something he wants to say. Um Let's see. Here we go. This week's releases um, from um, oh, so people, Steve, you'll be happy about this. Uh, from Archie Comics, there is a second printing of Afterlife with Archie number one hitting it stands tomorrow, right? Yeah, hitting stands. Ooh. Well, today because uh, it's whoa, Wednesday. Whoa, whoa. Come yes. on, Steve. I'm hungry. Get it together. I'm hungry, He's dude. So lightheaded. I'm, <laughs> I'm really hungry. Feeling faint. You got the vapors. Um, from Avatar Press, we have Absolution Rubicon number five, um, God is Dead number three, and Uber number seven. Um, from Boom Studios, we have um, Regular Show number five, 
regular show skips number one hit number three robocop last stand number four and suicide risk number seven um from dark horse comics we've got uh baltimore the infernal train number three catalyst comics number five of nine we've got um grindhouse doors open at midnight number two of eight we've got uh, michael avon omings the victories number six um we've got uh star wars the star wars number three of eight um <laughs> and uh sorry an occultist number two of five uh from dc comics we have action comics number 25 uh we've got batman black and white number three batman superman number five batwing number 25 detective comics number 25 uh earth two uh number 17 which is notable because uh tom taylor the guy who wrote injustice gods among us takes over the book uh this week uh, oh, so yeah. J- james robinson james robinson gone. is gone obviously and this is the first issue that tom taylor is on so nicholas scott is still the artist on Ooh. that book um forever evil number three green arrow number 25 green lantern number 25 hinterkind number two um we've got uh movement number six mm-hmm. um we've got stormwatch number 25 uh, Superman Unchained, number four. Swamp Thing, number 25. Trillium, number four of eight. And Trinity of Sin, yeah. the Phantom Stranger, number 13. Uh, from Dynamite Entertainment, we have Army of Darkness versus Hackslash, number three. We've got Dark Shadows, number 22. We've got uh, Legends of Red Sonia, number one. Oh, Lone Ranger, sick. number 19. Lords of Mars, number four. Mark Wade's The Green Hornet, number seven. We've got Pathfinder Goblins, number four of five. Shadow Now, number two. Meow. Uh, Vampirella, <laughs> number 36. Warlord of Mars, number... Oh, no, those are so those are, those are special covers. Those are very covers. Um, IDW. Special special covers uh idw we have doctor who prisoners of time number 10 uh we've got gi joe the cobra files number eight la, Ghost- la, 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 la. ghostbusters <laughs> number nine what was that cobra law oh come no. on nope no nope. what nope nope i'm sorry but everybody that's listening to this show knows exactly <laughs> what the fuck i'm talking about right now no, no one does you are delusional because you're lightheaded and hungry uh judge dread classics uh okay. number five We've got uh, Transformers Dark Cybertron, number one. Well, I wouldn't have guessed that one. No. <laughs> um, uh, from Image Comics, we have 68 Hollowed Ground, one shot. Alex plus Ada, number one. We've got uh, Cyber Force, number seven. A Drum Heller, number one. East of West, number seven. Fatal, number 18. Ghosted, number five. Morning Glories, number 34. Protectors, Inc., number one. Reality Check, number three. Spawn, number 237. And 10 Grand, number five. Jesus, go image. Uh, from Marvel Comics, we have Amazing X-Men, number one. Uh, we've With got... Nightcrawler on the cover. Nightcrawler on the cover, written by Jason uh-huh. Aaron. Uh, Captain America, number 13. Captain Marvel, number 17. Nice. Issue. nice. Cataclysm, the Ultimate's Last Stand, number <gasps> one. Uh, yeah. Daredevil Dark Knights, number six of eight. Emerald City of Oz, number four of five. Phantom X Max, number two of four. Iron Man, number 18. Um, Marvel Knights, Spider-Man, number two. Uh, We've got, um, oh, the movie adaptation, Marvel's Captain America, the first Avenger adaptation, number one of two. Oh, boy. (laughs) A little late. Yeah, I know. Mighty Avengers, number three. 
Um, we've got Painkiller Jane, The Price of Freedom, number one of four. Uh, and uh, X-Men Legacy, number 19. Uh, from uh, where we got Valiant Entertainment, Quantum and Woody, number five. Um, and Shadow Man, number 12. And I also believe Unity, number one. No, you hear one's next week, I think. Uh, their big first, their team book ah. that they have coming out. Um, Written by Matt Kent, right? Uh, Matt Kent, yeah. Uh, Sweet. Xenoscope, we've got uh, Grim Fairy Tales Presents Wonderland Through the Looking Glass, number two. And uh, Tyler Kirkham's Screwed, number six of six. So that's what's on the shelves right now. Um, before we close out the show, Bob, there's a piece of news you wanted to share with us. Sure. Um Nick Cardi, a longtime DC artist and Eisner Hall of Famer from 2005, passed away this week at 93. Mm. Wow. He took over Aquaman after Ramona Fraden when it was his backup feature invention when it went to Showcase and Brave and Bold, and he did the first 39, first artist on the Teen Titans, mm. and did seven years of work with them, and then did loads and loads of covers. I mean, for people of my age he was the aquaman artist if it wasn't ramona so our thoughts go out to his family mm. and 93 is not a bad way to have checked out it's a nice long life he had absolutely. a great career and hmm. yeah a lot of pleasure to a lot of folks absolutely well thank you bob for remembering mm. him uh, on the show um if you guys want to get in touch with us um at talking comics on twitter Facebook.com slash Talking Comics and at, um, sorry, and uh, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. TalkingComicBooks.com is obviously the website where you can get the reviews, articles, uh, get this podcast, uh, video content, all that stuff. So check that out and, and comment there. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? I am at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie? I'm at Hello Cookie. And Bob. And Bob Royer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right, awesome, guys. Um, that's going to do it uh, for our show this week. Next week, uh, we're going to be back with our review of Thor uh, The Dark World. So for Steve. Pancakes. Uh, Bob. Waffles. And Stephanie. Achacha. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>